was like, I could do that, but I know people that have gotten killed over like 10, so I'm not going to... I don't think you'd trust me even if I did hook you up. Yeah. And, um, and I became... I don't know him like super well, but he's pretty... He's always very friendly to me, but he's fucking very talented. He's just got that... that he remind, he's, he's part Filipino, but he reminded me of this guy I used to go to school with that was this cocky little Maori cunt named Tamiki who was on the Australian schoolboys team for rugby. And he was just this real cheeky, like... And one of my friends, who that's the dude who worked with Connor, he grew up with him, and he used to be a little gangbanger, like, full gnarly, like, like super gnarly. He's been to jail and, like, all sorts of shit. Yeah. But he's just got that... I've, 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 and I know a lot of people. Like, I've met all sorts of, like, celebrities. You know, but certainly, it's only certain people, they just have it. on the, Like, it just oozes so naturally. My little brother's kind of got it, and Josh has got it in droves, and... He's just, I, I totally see him, could see him doing it. I really hope so, because he just had twins. Yeah. And um, I think that, like, kind of, I don't know if it distracted him, but that's, like, a, a lot. And he's got that business that that's, that Fresh Ink is pretty big. It's a lot a lot of people working for him. Yeah. Um, But he's definitely an interesting cat. He, someone insulted, one of my friends is his filmer, who I know through him, and he told me a story that he, like, Josh is, like, full old OG, like, gangbanging dude. And someone like was harassing his wife and so they were at a tattoo expo and this guy was working for him and had harassed his wife and he hadn't seen him in ages and he fucking went and grabbed he saw him at the tattoo expo and he walked up to him and grabbed him and said you're coming with me and like didn't beat him up or anything but basically like took him to his wife and made him apologize to his wife and then let him didn't touch him yeah but he like taught him that lesson like I was. I think that's real. Well, one you shouldn't fuck with anyone, but there's certain people that you shouldn't fuck with. Totally, but yeah. there's just a. I just like there's just a certain like old school kind of like. Um, and he's a better man than me. He just got that because I would have fucking bitten that cunt's nose off. Totally, but he just. I like that. <laughs> I like that swagger. Like it's like he knows. He's just got. He's just got something about him. Like I. I think he'll. If he got into that level, I think he'd be really a very popular like MMA fighter because he's yeah. got that. He's just got that look. He's a good-looking dude, and he's funny. He's, like, quite, he can talk, and he's an amazing, like, it's a fucking good narrative, you know? Yeah. And you need a narrative. It's like that that sugar kid and the, the that new guy that looks like the Beatles, whatever his name, that Paddy kid. Paddy the Batty. Yeah. Yeah, Paddy um, Pimblet. You know, like, someone like Khabib. He's interesting, but he only became popular because he was so good. He only became popular because Connor f- just fried him. No, it's, no, he didn't. He didn't. Connor's the only one who's actually stood there and actually traded totally, with but him. He got, but no one's ever pushed Khabib. Yeah, like, but, if, but if that was, like I say this all the time, if that was Connor that fought Eddie Alvarez, I don't think, it, I think nah, Connor wins. No, nah, I don't think so. I think, he, I think he'd eat, he'd eat fucking, um, he'd eat, uh, what's his name? What's the snoozeman? He'd eat him for breakfast. And I reckon he could Marty be fake newsman. I reckon he could be fighting in light heavyweight. And my friend that worked for Connor saw him on a flight, and my friend's six bit bigger than me, about bit bigger than us. He's about six three, and he's pretty muscly. And he said Khabib was like big, like almost bigger than him. He said he must lose so much weight for those fights. Yeah, he cuts he the one fifty five. He said he must be like he just like I don't understand how like I was. He said he was blown away by how much bigger he was in person than what you would think. So I don't know that much about MMA. Yeah, but like that well, dude just seems so much harder. Well, all than those like 
Dagestani, Chechnyan, oh, and his, all those. Imagine his old man was the world ch- champion Sambua guy. He's the trainer of where all the best Sambua fighters in the world come from. And he grows, and he grew up in, like, is his dad being, do you know how many people would want to fuck with him? Like, and he, like, he, he's, he's on. Khabib reckons his dad's the only person he's, he's never beaten in a, in a wrestling match. Even when he's like dad was still like work well into his like sixties or seventies. But um I think he would have kept fighting. Hundred percent. And, and yeah. he would have got he would have fought GSP and that would have been that would have been incredible. Wouldn't have been incredible for GSP. No, no, GSP would have been <laughs> good. Well, maybe not. No, he's pretty amazing, GSP. Nah. But not on that level. Different think, er- different errors. I think man. he's just on another level. I think he's just I don't think anyone could touch him, to be honest. I'm I still think like, you know, Rogan says it all the time, like Farasa Harvey says it, GSP's coach, like Connor back in old like back in when Connor was fighting because he like he had that f- But Connor had to get has to get him in that first round and he and Khabib purpose, really. purposely sat with him and stood with him and then he fucking rocked him with that punch. He got him one round though. Khabib just yeah, but Khabib's never lost a round until he fought Connor. Totally, but he yeah, but no one's ever pushed him. So imagine <clears> what he's capable of if you push someone like that. Yeah, but Connor's got a hundred million dollars in the bank, dude. Like after Floyd Mayweather, he had so much money, just big dick energy. He didn't give a fuck about totally, that fight. But that's but that's that's why he's not as good as he was. Dude, that hunger is yeah. like, but he he'll never have that humility that um, that homie has because he's just come from. It's, you can't understand. Like, imagine coming. Russia's a shithole. He <laughs> comes from the shithole of the shithole. Shithole, yeah. So that, like, they don't. It could be worse. It could be Kazakhstan. No, where he's from is worse. No, oh, because they're, oh, they're up in the mountains. No, no, eh? That's full, like, that's full fucking redneck Sh- of the shack, redneck. That's like Albanian shit. shit. Like, f- no, it's still not. It's beautiful, but yeah. it's just, it's just hard. It's like there's no. You go go fetch your water. There's like. It's just a hard place. It's just isolated. It's Minus just, fifty degrees. Yeah, just like living in fucking like living year. in like those hard dudes that live up in the mountains in Afghanistan. That's why they're so fought for two, three thousand years people have been trying to take over that Waristan region from Genghis Khan all through and no one's ever done it because those people are just hard, man. Savages. They just grew up different. They, like when you you're so used to that pain, nothing. So the the thing about Khabib is you don't know what he's capable of because could you imagine what he's capable of when he's in a corner? Like that's the thing that I would love to see someone push him because I think that he's not even... I don't even think he's getting warmed up. Well, I don't think that's why Connor didn't send him a location location. No, <laughs> totally, but it's like... Um, it's an interesting... It's very polarising how, like... Um, I think Connor bit off way more than he could chew. I think he I think he thought he'd get him. And I think there's a kind of a moment in that fight where he just... He kind of realises he's fucked. Well, I think to be a fighter, one, you've got to be a mad person. And then two... Like, totally, when, but imagine when you're being when you're good. when you're sipping your own Kool Aid that totally. much, but you're imagine like, being that good. I can go and have and rack you, benders. You've never with... had anyone really fuck with you, and then you fight someone, and you just know that there's nothing <coughs> to do to beat him. And you, there's a look in his eye, and he's like, he knows he's fucked. He's like, it's like he's fighting twenty people. Like, he's just got that like. The one thing that like showed fucking insane showed me that Khabib was legit was when he fought Ebs and Barboza and Barboza is is fucking su- like the best I think my striker. friend Jamie fought him so he was the champion before they put lightweight in the UFC it was like what was it called before it's only been lightweight for like like 7 or 8 years right yeah well, i think no well, i don't i think Ebson might have been a champion at EWC yeah. when that's, so that's what he was cuz the UFC acquired that 
Yeah. They had they had fifty five, but it was mainly forty five and thirty five. Yeah, so that's what Jamie was he was fifty five champion, I think. And um and when you seen like Khabib hold him against the fence, you could see in Ebson's eyes. Guy's been fighting his whole life, professional fighter. He was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like this guy is like the the, the jaws of life, and he's it's taking life from me. Yeah, I, yeah, no, it's another level. You can't understand it until you're in a Bring situation. Bring that microphone like that. up, Big Willie. I think that um, I think that he, he's on another level. It's fucking insane. <laughs> so cool though, because like, I don't even know what. He's like, no one is. No one knows what he's capable of because no one will ever. No one's on that level, and now yeah. he's he's. Mom say no, and I'm done, and like. Imagine having that respect for your mother. Like, I don't give a fuck what my mum says. I wish that I did, but I don't. Well, so he's like on another, that religious, like, pray to fucking the sun every three, four times a day, no drinking. Like, that fucking level of discipline, like, just makes you hard. 100%, man. Yeah, and training, training through Ramadan and not drinking would be insane. Not drinking water. Yeah, those dudes. He's a heavy motherfucker, dude. Like, he's a heavy motherfucker. Yeah, and then you got, then you got like Hamzamat Chayev. So that so that so my homie that was working with Conan, he now represents him. Wow, that Hamza, and he they're they're talk, he's talking about that he's going to be like he wants to do next. three. He wants to do three divisions. He wants seventy, eighty five, and lightweight two hundred five. Imagine that. That'd be so nice. He goes, I kill everyone, smash everyone. <laughs> has he lost before? He hasn't, has he? No. He's a he's fighting Gilbert Burns this weekend. I thought I saw I thought I saw that. Yeah, he's yeah. fighting Gilbert Burns in Vegas. Um, yeah. Oh no, Jacksonville. Oh, he's gone in it's, Florida. It's Jacksonville. Yeah, because it's Volko Korean Zombie. Um, there's another belt. Oh, so the Volko, the Aussie guy's fighting the zombie guy, is he? Yeah, Korean Zombie. Yeah, which yeah, I guess it'll be a good it's fight. So funny how that guy doesn't have a name. That's What's awesome. that? He's just like character. Like, it's Sun Yadong or something it? like that. Yeah, That's so dope. yeah. But they just call him the Korean zombie. No, no. I, I just love those larger than life characters. He doesn't speak English. He's just like, mm. yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> move kill. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, let's get into this one, big dog. Podcast is supported by CMBT Nutrition. Fuel your passion. You're doing that work on the mats. You need that pre. You need those BCAAs. You need that protein hit for recovery afterwards. You need a snack. These guys have the best bars going around. My favorite is the salted caramel. Trusted by the 145 UFC champion of the world, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Head over to cmbt.com.au and fuel your passion. We get to the point. To the point. Got Willie Biggs in the house. You the boys. Yeah, the boys. Don't us stop you ever going to smoke. <laughs> Mate, what is doing? You just rolled in here in the most flexed up rig in the world. <laughs> my little shithole, my little shitbox, little camouflage gets. My dad calls it the gets fucked. It gets fucked. Mate, it's- um, It definitely gets fucked in that car because I fuck a lot of hot chicks in it. And then you, you know that a, a chick will like you when she's got like a couple hundred thousand Instagram followers and she'll give you a roadhead in that piece of shit car. <laughs> You know you're doing well in life. And I just love that. I love balling on a budget. 
Yeah, I've been doing that for that's that was a saying that my friend came up with one of my like skater slash like snowboard homies from Mammoth, and uh, we always used to roll around the world just kind of partying and you know hooking up with a lot of girls, and we were like the terror squad, and um, he just always used to just call it balling on a budget, and I was like, I took that, and I was like, that's so fucking cool, and then I ended up making this brand that. Ended up doing pretty massive. We we got to a million fans on Facebook, and we were doing a couple of million um, page views a day on our website, probably about four or five years ago. And then I got the the page got deleted, got hacked first, and I got it back. And then it, it ended up getting deleted for weed content and for memes and politically and in, you know incorrect posts and nudity, not nudity, <laughs> but just like hot chicks and just kind of like. I was pretty pissed off when it happened, but like, whatever. It's as someone told me once: Facebook, Instagram, it's all rented real estate. So yeah, hundred percent. Whatever. If you don't obey the rules, you, you get. Now, now you get dude, you're, you're like you're a bit of like a, I guess like a, I don't want to say an enigma, but like you're kind of like this. Who is this guy? <laughs> I'm a strange motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, because it's like. Like I've um, obviously since we've been in contact, I've been you know down a bit of a rabbit hole on on you know who Willie Biggs is, yeah. And um, the horny du- the horny Dutchman, horny Dutch kid has my <laughs> been my nickname since I was uh, probably like twelve or thirteen years old. I'm probably one of the horniest people on planet Earth. <laughs> I may be. I may. I, I, I've been shooting porn for the last probably two or three months. I haven't dropped my OnlyFans yet because um, I'm arming and ahhing whether I actually want to do it or not. So if it does come out under a pseudonym, you'll have to figure out. Whether I did it or not, hundred percent. I'll leave that one um, to the to kind of a little bit of mystery, dude. Have you have you watched <laughs> the um the series that's on Disney, the Pam and Tommy one? Yet? No, I haven't. But I think that's pretty hilarious. That um this chick that I'm having a thing with, she shot a bunch of ads with her for UltraTune ages ago, which is kind of hilarious. Um, she actually sent me a photo of them together the other yeah, last night. Um, yeah, what an interesting cat. I think that um a friend of mine. Who's a pro, an old pro skier? He's really good friends with Tommy Lee, um, and I f- I saw the ad for it at the airport, and I called one of my business partners. That's like a big producer for Naked and Afraid and Ice Road Truckers and Deadliest Catch. Is someone you probably should interview. He might be doing Rogan soon. Um, and I saw that I saw the big the big billboard um, at the Sydney airport on the way to a flight somewhere, and I called him up and I'm like, look, it says the it says Pam and Tommy, and then it says Disney Plus underneath, and I just thought that was two names that I would never see together. Hundred percent, because I I remember it like um in your podcast with Jace that you know you I'm an art about obviously dropping your own porn or OnlyFans or anything yes. like that, and you're like maybe the twenty year version of me wouldn't appreciate if I did this because well there's just bigger things to do in life than like I've I've got a potential show that I'm going to the states to film um next month like a pilot for a travel show. Um, to do with the Anthony Bourdain's producer, and like if I do do that, which because I'm interested in it, but it's not like everything that I'm about. And once you, I have porn star friends. I've dated porn star chicks, you know. I've met all sorts of people, but I, and I think it's still it, it is pretty accepted now. But like you still get you're that guy. You're that you're that you just kind of look down upon and kind of like spat on. Because because you did reference Walt Disney in it in terms of a legacy, right? Like oh yeah, ter- totally, hundred percent. Le- well, it's game changers. Le- leaving a legacy. Howard Hughes, Walt Disney, Hugh Hefner, 
Richard Branson, Branson at the yeah. end of it. Yeah. Elon now on a totally another level. Yeah. He's by far the Howard Hughes of his time. Yeah. But like, fuck, I'm only young. I'm only like mid-30s. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, just that, sling dick. Don't, just, just, don't, don't put it out to the public. No, it was, yeah, it's like I, I've, got a, I've got an alter ego, which I'll tell you about later, this, that I, I'm going to release it under. So, well, this, well, this is the thing, right? This is the thing that reminded me of you. Because I've watched, I got up to I think to episode three or four last night, and it, it, so it goes to. I haven't seen it yet. Well, there's this part in it, and it's after they've spent their first night together in Cancun, and Tommy's taken a piss and he's looking at himself in the mirror and his dick's talking to him because he's just gotten out of <laughs> he's just he's just gotten divorced from Heather Lockley. And he's got this big piece on it. It shows you yeah, the no, dick. A tripod. The, That's the, what his nickname is. The dick and everything. And the dick's going, no, Tommy, we can't do this now. We've got heaps of pussy to smash. <laughs> and it reminded me of you. That's fucking. He's just, <laughs> he seems like I know a few people that know him quite well. And uh, they've all told me he's a really cool dude. Yeah. So, um, and then I've met that Machine Gun Kelly dude a couple of times that um, he's friends with, with a dude that I know, Dingo. Um, I don't know Dingo that well, but I've met him briefly. Uh, the whatever is um mgk or whatever yeah um he's a super cool dude too but um everyone that i know that's had any interaction with tommy lee has had nothing but nice things to say about him oh, so yeah. what Look, a legend the, those the, motley crew dudes are like those guys are my heroes fucking earth man did you watch the motley crew series they did uh this like you're talking about the dirt machine the gun Ke machine gun kelly played tommy lee yeah yeah, yeah i know that's what yeah. i'm referencing yeah. the, referencing him yeah. so so mgk played Tommy Lee in that movie yeah. and the gentleman that made the director of that movie was Jeff Tremaine and Jeff Tremaine is the guy who directed all the Jackass movies okay. and he used to work for this company called Big Brother which was owned by World Industries by St what's the guy's name Steve um, oh, I can't remember there's a movie you should need to watch it's called The Day the World Ended and it's it's about how Jackass came up and about about World Industries skateboarding and about Big Brother magazine Wow. And um, I actually, I've met Jeff Tremaine. I met the first time, one of the first times I ever did did coke was with Steve-O in Vegas. And one of my best friends, his name's Chad Fernandez. He's a pretty famous pro skater. Um, he used to be world's biggest pro. And he was on like 600 grand a year, blah, blah, blah. He ended up getting into Hollywood movies and then kind of got ostracized from skateboarding because he's just a Larry crazy dude. And that's why I love him. He's a dragon slayer. Um, he put out a part with Thrasher at 37 years old with no sponsors, sliding like overcrooking the same rails that Ninja was nose blunting, like just total fucking handrail just destroyer. And uh, one night we were with those guys, and my friend he got into a into a fight with the big with Preston Lacey, the big fat dude from from Jackass. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> and uh, it was a pretty – he probably wouldn't like me talking about this, but he'll probably never listen to this podcast, so I don't think he'll – Fuck yes. <laughs> oh, actually, he called me yesterday. Um, but, yeah, so he, he – uh, Jeff Tremaine actually ended up dragging him away and kind of saving him from us having to fight their two massive security guards that they have with them. Um, but Chad's one of the people that I would jump over the table for because he's always looked after me. I've lived in with him on and off in the, in the Hollywood Hills many, many – Many years ago, but that the, those Steve O's a legend. He won a nice smile. He's fucking super cool. I yep. met him. I met him. I, I hung out with him that night. I hung out with Wee Man that night. I met Mike Vallely. He was a fucking legend. What a nice motherfucking dude. Mike Vallely's um, gun skater too. He's amazing. But yeah, um, I like people that are cool. Like they're just like they're 
they just ask questions and they're genuinely interested in meeting people, yeah. even though they're so um, celebrated at whatever they do. Yeah, Same with Robbie Madison. I know Robbie very, very well. He's a super cool dude. He's always, hey, how's your dad? Blah, blah, blah. Like, he's just a cool... Matto is a legend. Yeah, it's just good to be a good guy, yeah. just to be a nice guy. How are you going? How's your day? Look him in the eyes. And it's kind of cool because you can see it in his kids as well. His like kids see, are awesome. You see Cruz and Rocco and yeah, like, yeah. they're just I so just filmed something with them at, um, on the Central Coast about a month, month and a half ago. And um, Cruz followed me on Instagram a while ago and I got my Instagram deleted and my main one. And then, and then I got it back about... Is that two Willie, weeks ago. Is that Willie Big Will, Stool? No, it's Willie's World TV. That's oh, Will, my main okay, one. Okay? okay, yeah, yeah. And so that that got deleted for political comments on Kevin Rudd's wall about Ivermectin and <laughs> uh, and some other stuff. And one of my ex girlfriends used to be Kevin Rudd's assistant, so that's another that's another story. But I saw Cruz, and he's like, what? He must be like six or seven. And I know his. I know I know Amy very kind of briefly from this is from a long time ago before they moved to the states before Cruz was born and Cruz follows me on Instagram and he walked past me and he looked at me and he stared at me like he knew who I was but he couldn't put two and two together which was pretty hilarious but that his whole journey like him um I'm actually going we got a doco about it coming out um in the next couple of weeks uh that we filmed kind of just like a mini thing about him and Robbie um kind of and how they're he's the freestyle kings guy Josh um, shout out to Josh and all the uh, Ash and all the dudes from Freestyle Kings. How they're um, they're really kind of celebrating the history of FMX and kind of the come through of like to see Robbie and knowing Robbie for so long. Obviously, my parents used to own Fusion, so we were one of his first sponsors. And I know Paul and Ian from Unit very well. Um, Paul's been on my podcast. I met Paul first. The first time we ever had um, Fusion, we had a one of those old, really dope. Um, beamers at the track at Indy when I was like 17 and the unit guys had their stand next door to us and that's how I met Paul and Ian and Robbie just got on I think he was on he was on unit first and then he ended up writing for that that kind of weird ass brand that I never liked which was Jet Pilot um, <clears throat> so to see his kind of him rise to such you know evil Knievel level superstardom and then have his kids come through and who knows what they'll end up doing but that whole like same with the the Deegan kids. I don't really know Brian. Yeah, Hayden I've, and Hux. Yeah, yeah, but their yeah. kid, they kill it, man. Yeah. Like those kids, he's what Brian's done is in is insane. Like have you those, seen their new compound that bought over in the East Coast? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's fucked up, man. Is it in Florida? Is it there? Because because Hayden's with um, Star yeah. with Yamaha Star, so he trains over in Florida. Yeah. And then what's the daughter's name? Uh, Haley. Haley right? Deegan. Yeah, and she's going to end up in NASCAR. Yeah. She's doing. She, she's in she the lower. The, she drives the trucks. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. In, she does trophy trucks, but I think yeah. she was she's got it. She got a NASCAR ride too, but in one of the lower grades. Yeah, I don't so, think it was Cup. It was the Cup. One yeah, or yeah, two yeah, under. yeah, totally. Yeah. But you have to start yeah. like NASCAR is like an older sport. Like it's not like F one where you're twenty. You're 22 and you're the top guy. Like yeah. that's why Dale Earnhardt was like in his 50s and still the king shit of Turtle Island. You know, like that's yeah. a. I I find NASCAR very boring going around in, in circles. But did you watch the Bubba Wallace documentary? That no, no, I would like to. That's the the black dude, yeah. right? Yeah. What? How interesting it is that it's fucking gnarly. There's like man. one black guy in motocross. He's like the best ever, and there's one NASCAR <laughs> guy, and he's like so good. Just, <laughs> just pretty hilarious, mate. James Stewart was unfuckable with. He's insane. And Malcolm, Ma- and Malcolm was actually having a pretty good year this year, but him and fucking El Hombre just kept talking each other out. Like him and yeah, Jason I don't Anderson. Watch, I don't watch Supercross much anymore. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty. That kid was pretty. The Malcolm kid, he 
he like was a doing fishing comp, professional fishing competitions and he like didn't ride for like four or five years and then he's like oh yeah i'll just come back i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna yeah, i'll get a lights ride you know like pretty pretty insane but what i love about robbie and what the freestyle kings guys have done especially the f f the fk dudes they're like it's they're the only people that are like really holding fmx on a high pedestal like skateboarders do and how like they they've got guys like dane kinnard which dane was the first dude to win an x games medal as an australian and he was doing quad combos at winter x games over like 110 foot kickers to ice doing like mcmets to fucking shaolin like he was so gnarly and he used to have the hottest fucking wife ever. Like this super- Is that like, Dan Canard? Oh, like yeah. 12 out of 10. Like she was like, she made all the crusty chicks look ugly as fuck. <laughs> like he was gangster, dude. And But for them to like, to have him and like that Chuck Norris dude from up here and just like, they're the, they're the they, that Josh guy, uh, Josh, uh, his last name escapes me. He's a really, really nice dude. Um, and I know Ash very well. For Ash from Aussie Adrenaline. He's a very good friend of mine. Um, and obviously, I, Pat Bowden's a very good friend of mine. He's probably the best rider in the world at the moment. But the the homage that they that they give it, and the fact that they they've got all these guys, and they you know like the Krusty Tour and the Nitro Tour, that's awesome. But that's more like a circus show, where there's this is like a homage to the to the roots of this sport. Yeah. And like they're the only people in the world that are doing that. Yeah. And they've got Tucker Higashino on the on the Tucker's on their the list. Man. Tucker's the coolest motherfucker. Yeah. I got drunk with him like after that show. We See, I am like cool I, motherfucker. I watch um I watch all of Twitch's <laughs> stuff still. Like Twitch I, is such a legend. I, I watch I don't know Twitch, but I've Bro, I, I um I bought some DBK stuff and I was like, um I was on the thing on the order, I was just like, Twitch, you're a mad cunt, you wouldn't last ten minutes in Aussie. And like he actually like replied back to me and he's like, Fuck you, you Australian wanker. <laughs> he's like such a shit talker. Um and the, the and so like for what they've for the what they're doing and how Cruz is going to, you know, he did his first show. He just, you know, he hit the 45-foot ramp behind his old man. And, like, that's just cool that they make that show about that because, like, young kids see that and they, like, it's just a narrative because once you've seen all the different tricks, like, kind of gets boring. And, like, these sports need to evolve like skateboarding's evolved where it's, like, it's about the trick you're doing. It's not It's not necessarily about the, the most crazy trick. It's about how you do the trick. It's, like, on what kind of feature you do the trick on. And, like, that's the sport that everyone's going to that's going to all end up evolving to cuz cuz skateboarding got lost for a long time cuz like my high school days was I was like a massive skateboarder but it was like you know Eric Costin Rodney Mullen like the the like my OGs of skating you know what i mean yeah. and it was like and it kind of just all just dissipated after that kind of era there was no one really left and then i didn't really kind of look at anything to do with skating until Niger. yeah well it just depends on what's, oh, oh, Ryan, what you, what Ryan you, Sheckler, Sheckler. What, yeah, well, Sheckler was just right after that. So yeah. it just it's just exposure from the mainstream. So it, all those people were still doing what they were doing. It's the same with um, with skiing, the same with snowboarding, same with um, FMX. Like there's still a large community of people that are just going hard. But now there's no comp, there's no money in it. There's so much insurance. That's why they had that competition the other day at Gap Creek. Um, Pat got fucked, by the way. Should have won the the whole comp. Use of track my ass. Um, <laughs> 
Just yeah, straight up. Well, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of the same as same as bodyboarding. Like uh, oh, booger the booger scum. Fuck those guys. Mitch Rollins is the gnarliest dude on planet Earth, dude. Like I, do you know who Mitch Rollins is? I grew up in Cronulla, man. Like I grew up with like Lester Ballard. Like oh, that's OG. Epo. Yeah, Michael Epperson. Like well, I think he's from up Port Macquarie. No, he's from Port. Yeah. Um, but like I grew up like Mike Stewart. You know, dudes gnarly. Tamega, and then but then Tamega beat the fuck out of Chris Ward. But then he paddled out at fucking when they were doing the burger comp with Pipe when it was so good and he just paddled out and Tamika dragged him in and beat the fuck out of him in front of everyone. But it's the same as then, like so cheap. Like I remember, like because I because I lived in Cronulla, like I I bodyboarded. You know. Bodyboarding was massive. Riptide, massive. Australian well, well, bodyboarder. Manta was massive. Yeah, and Moray. then you had two or tubes. Rio Pipo. Tubes, um, tubes, which became foreplay, which Ryan yeah. Hardy rode for, was at so no that friends. Was, yeah, like all that shit. Those guys started Jackass stuff before it was. Them 100% and CKY. Tension. 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 Yeah. So influential. Chris White. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, man. And those guys, that, and this that Mitch Roll, I don't, I see that Mitch Rollins guy around. I've met him a couple of times, but. Is he looking the goldie, does he? I don't know, but I see him around a, a bit. I've, he's a he's a he, He's a heavy dude. Like he's gnarly. Like his commitment to what he does, and how the the reef, the the slabs that they surf and they pioneered, like they're fucking crazy. And he makes no money, and that's what's so sick. It's like that's why I was just referencing my friend Chad filming a video part for Thrasher at thirty seven. Now Thrasher isn't about politics. Thrasher's about gnarly skateboarding. Yeah. So Chad's one of the gnarliest skateboarders of all time for street. And if you're a real OG skater, people know that. So Jake Phelps always gave Chad mad, mad shine because it was about the skateboarding. It wasn't about the politics. It wasn't about the fact that he didn't got into fights with Reynolds and Jim Greco and was in some shitty movies. It was about his gnarly skateboarding. So for someone like Chad to drop a video part at 37 with no paying sponsors and be sliding the same rails that someone that's getting paid between probably two to five million bucks a year, it's insane because it's like, it's like being a dragon slayer and still slaying dragons you know what I mean? Like that's the, the you you wake up, as most sea slack said in The Simpsons. I was born a snake handler. I'm gonna die a snake handler. <laughs> like that's what the dude does. He slight he eats handrails for breakfast, and he hasn't been skating that much for the last two years. But I guarantee he'd go hit a twenty five stair handrail with not much warm up. And it's the same with these bo- these booger guys. Like they f- they fucking do airs into the flat. Like huge rolls and huge fucking ARSs and gyros and inverts into the flats on like two two inches of water on the gnarliest slabs ever, and they're not making any money. They're no. not doing it for glory. They're doing it because they're just they're just gnarly. Hundred percent, man. And that's heavy. Like because you come from an extreme sport background. Yeah, well, I was yourself. a pro. I was a pro skier for a long time. I was on. The, I used to do a lot of freeride comps and. Before that, mogul skiing and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Did you have a Olympics or anything like that? No, no, I didn't go to the Olympics. Quit quit, um, quit before that. Quit moguls before that. Maybe could have. I was reasonably good, but I wasn't that good. I was. I, my life kind of changed when I moved to Canada. Well, not moved to Canada. When I went to summer camp when I was like 15 and I started smoking pot. And I was like, <laughs> I was going to become a free rider. And so I did, you know, like I the got- the Kobe I was, Abbotton of skiing. <laughs> yeah, I did I did a lot of, you know, I did world tour comps and I was around and I did compete at a pretty high level. But I always just like smoking bongs and and drinking and partying and, and shooting photos and kind of hanging with my friends. I, it was fun. It was a good lifestyle. I kind of wish that I um, had probably taken it more seriously. Um, but, you know, I got paid to travel around the world for 10 years. So it was pretty awesome. I definitely- Got to top, you know, top hundred in the world probably, if not more. But the thing was, it was for me. It was a lifestyle. It was fun. 
you know, I'd go, I'd had, I had a, a, a series where I'd like, I'd go to the States at the beginning of the season. I'd uh, hang out with my friend in Mammoth. I'd go stay in LA with Chad and, you know, go do the Hollywood thing for a couple of weeks. Then I'd go to Mammoth, do a couple of months of park riding. Then I'd move to Verbier or wherever I was for that winter, um, hang out. Then I'd come back. I'd go to Mammoth for a month or two, then go to Cinco de Mayo, go to Coachella, hang out in Hollywood again, and then go back home, hang out, surf on the Gold Coast for two months, and then move to New Zealand, <laughs> selling heaps of copious amounts of pot, selling pounds of pot, getting paid to ski, and just being the hookup for all the pro snowboarders and skiers that would come into town into Wanaka. Right, that's pretty so, cool. I just kind of was like, you know, obviously I was in magazines, I was in movies and stuff, but like for me it was just about, it was just fun. It's like I love skiing. I really, really love skiing. I love smoking pot. I love pussy and I love um, getting drunk. Obviously that's why I've got a fireball thing on. Lately I've quit drinking a lot. I still drink. I'm allowed to drink once a week and I'm allowed to get fucked up every two weeks. That's kind of how I'm doing things at the moment. Last year was a bit of a burning year. I definitely wasted uh, a lot of my life. As you can tell, I look pretty fucked up on that podcast with Jace that I did. <laughs> I'm, um, I was pretty drunk. I was. Uh, we drove the Fireball bus to the to the Gypsy Tales podcast uh, headquarters, and I was already pretty drunk with the chick that I was seeing at the time. Um, so I look like I'm 50 on that podcast, which is pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, but you know, now I'm back to being healthy, training all the time. But the last two years have been pretty fucked up, you know, COVID. I live right on the border. So, you know, I had a car on either side. I was the I was the coyote. I was running back and forth to Sydney. I'm not going to fucking follow their stupid rules. It was it's a, The whole world's just been so fucked up in the yeah, last two years. You're preaching to the choir here, bro. Like, you know, I've, I've gone down some big rabbit holes with this shit. And I was saying to my mate before, like, I was in Japan 2019, December, because we went and seen Lucy's sister. She lived over there. So we went and had early Christmas with Lucy's sister because she couldn't get back because she worked for Disney. And um, I remember being on the Shinkansen, like reading the tattoos of Auschwitz. And then it's like fast forward a couple of months, we literally started the pandemic, which is all headed up by Klaus Schwab, who is literally a fucking trying to continue what Hitler hmm. fucking started. Literally, he's, this <laughs> motherfucker was a born and raised Nazi. His dad worked directly for Hitler. <laughs> like, if you don't realize that we're in a fucking world war right now and have been for two years, you a lot, are asleep. Longer than two years. Yeah, well, it's been brewing for it's a long called time. Called the Hegelian dialectic. That's the other thing about you too. You're a smart motherfucker. You yeah. read and shit, archaeology and oh, fucking- all sorts of stuff. So yeah, that's, yeah. What that's what I'll end up getting into. And that's why I, the OnlyFans thing is kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, I, I do like the idea of a. A shitload of disposable income. I have a friend of mine. Shout out to Mr. Iconic. He's like the Australia's biggest porn star now, and he's a he's a good dude. He's fucking all sorts of girls on camera, and getting paid. He's making a lot of money. Um, and kudos to him. He's a top of the notch, really nice, super good human. Good um, looking dick or what? I don't know. I haven't. I don't really watch his content. <laughs> My dick's bigger than his though. I've I've been told that I've fucked a bunch of girls that are the same. But that's you know whatever. He's just a good dude. And shout outs. What it's done is it's kind of eliminated the gatekeepers of porn and it's in you know it's it's made all these people have the ability to be able to make money from from you know what they want to do to have fun and that's 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 awesome that the whole the whole thing about social media and um things like patreon and um only fans and whatever whatever source that people are making money from it's it's youtube it's it's um it's eliminated the gatekeepers of traditional media but 100%. it's also made it almost overly accessible because now there's 
so much shit out there. So much tits and ass. That not even just tits <laughs> and ass. Everything now. Instagram ruined everything. Instagram's ruined action sports. Like you, once you see Josh Sheehan, excuse me, Josh Sheehan do a triple backflip. After that, unless you're really into it, no one gives a fuck anymore. That's why yeah. no, there's no money in action sports anymore. There's, there's like there's no money for for videos for film skiers that are doing video parts in the streets. Like it, it, it is what it is. It's the ramifications of a but of a you, shrinking a shrinking attention span. But I guess um, to to play devil's advocate. For someone like Axel Hodges, who oh, what a legend! Who didn't have a motocross career, yeah, and then started filming himself that, doing. I was going to mention him. He's at and Pat, now, like, Pat, my friend, has has been hanging out at his house lately and filming a lot with him. Now, and, he, um, now he's got he he's was, a gnarly. His his bike skills are incredible. Incredible. He was riding for um for Bubba's brand seven. Yeah, and now he's got Slayco everything. Like he's got the Slayco compound. Yeah, and that guy makes bank off merch. No, he's and, killing and, it. And obviously he's got like his brother's Dirt Shark, so he, yeah, they've yeah. got the monster hookup and all that stuff. Well, no, he was on Monster before that and then Dirt Shark became something because of it. But Axel's Axel's old man's got a lot of money. PH, and, he, and he put in yeah. a lot of money to him. Yeah. But Axel got a, copped a lot of shit for that. But Axel's always had that bike skill. And it's the same with Josh Hill. Josh Hill was like Hill has has another fucking level of bike skills. But you know he won certain races. He won the Red Bull Straight. He you know he was he won Supercross races. He was amazing. But you know some of them want to have their own lifestyle. That's like it's like kind of like alpine skiing and and you know like slope style and free riding. It's like it's a totally different world. But there's just because they're not necessarily winning races doesn't necessarily mean that they're not the well, best rider well, in the world. All the, well, all those guys that we we Kerry Hart, Brian Deegan, all those guys, they were all rejected races. Well, yeah, but you did, but the, they were rejected they did, races because they didn't have the talent to be the best, and they also didn't as, have the money. Yeah, but if you so, got, if you, there was a lot of other kids that came up. But there's there's always this argument. So if you actually talk to to proper racers, like if you talk to someone like Danny Ham, who's shout out to Danny Ham, biggest OG in fucking Australian motocross, still holding it down. Um, if you talk to people like that, or you talk to like the real OGs that actually know what they're talking about, like the cream the cream rises to the top. So. You know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that these guys um, should be looked upon in a in a negative way. It's just that 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 form of what that expression was, or just going fast around a track, wasn't the best form of expression for them to show their talent. Hundred percent. So, but yeah. but for them to say that they were ostracized and that they didn't make it in racing because blah blah blah, that's a crock of shit. The re- the reason they didn't make it was because. They didn't train as hard, or they didn't. Maybe they didn't have the opportunity. Whatever. But cream rises to the top, and you know, well, wasn't the whole whole premise around Krusty that it was like, fuck the clean cut racing shit. Let's totally. just go hit big gaps. Totally. And but we'll there was there was people doing that. There was people doing that for years. They just Dana Nicholson, who was a pro snowboarder, which was on all the old whiskey movies. He made he got into filming, and then he made a bunch of snowboard movies with Mike McGinty and the. The Mac Dog dudes. This is like OG SoCal fucking early '90s stuff. But what happened was in that era, you know, Christian Fletcher, Nathan Fletcher, um, kind of like those skater dudes, um, like Sean Farmer, Sean Palmer. All of them rode motocross. All of them surfed. All of them snowboarded in the winter. So there was a lot of cross pollination going on in that in that era. And so a lot of those dudes, like that Dana Nicholson guy, he was like a, a '80s, early '90s. Damien Sanders um, kind of pro snowboarder up at Bear Mountain. 
he started getting into cinematography. He made that one, probably one of the most iconic surf movies of all time, which was Kelly Slater's Black and White. And then somehow, I don't know if he had an interest in motocross or something like that, then he ended up making the Krusty movie. And then he met Seth Enslow and, you know, the rest is history. And then Michael Pora, who got famous off or who got popular off regenerating the uh, the the Iron Man series, he saw an opportunity and they created the Krusty Tour. Now, the first year of the Krusty Tour, I remember flying back from a world tour comp in wherever the fuck, Europe or America or wherever the fuck I was, and I flew back. It was in late March, and um, my parents had just gotten into fusion. Old man had gotten into fusion. We probably were about a year in, and then and then he calls me and he told me that they were sponsoring the tour, and then I need I need to come to work and I need to fly to Melbourne, and I flew to Melbourne. And those dudes were fucking ruthless. I saw Brian Digg and spit on a kid. Ronnie Feist was a fucking asshole. Like, Twitch was just like... He turned into a full Bible basher. Now he's a Bible basher. Yeah. Jesus freak. Like, that's hilarious. And those dudes Twitch, uh, those dudes time. were all mad crank crank dudes. Yeah, hard. And I, know, used to, I know dudes that used to sell them Twitch. kilos of crank back in the day. Larry Lincoln. I don't know. I think Twitch was just a bong head. He's just a young... He was just young. I think it was more the older dudes that were into that, but Deegan that was, Mark but that was the level. That was the that was what that was the burner generation. That that nineties SoCal thing was 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 crank. That was what was around, and everybody was doing crank, and everybody was partying hard, and that was before you really had to be an athlete. So a lot of those guys potentially got into that stuff, or maybe they didn't, but they didn't want to be the athletes. They didn't want to be the Jeremy McGrath. But for them to say that they were as talented as Jeremy McGrath. That's a crock of shit. No it, chance. Yeah. Jeremy McGrath's a fucking freak. That freak. guy went yeah. pro at like from like you know, like listen to his some of his podcasts. Like he's on another level. Like so cream does rise to the top. But still at the same time, like those guys were almost just as impactful as Jeremy McGrath. And Krusty, that first year, those dudes were rock stars, man. I remember going to Bar Twenty with those dudes in Melbourne and like Remember Mad Mike Jones? Fuck, he's a funny Mad guy. Mad Mike Jones, yeah. He's a funny motherfucker. He's yeah. a cool dude. He became good friends with my old man. I remember and I remember this one X Games where he did the legend. back back to black flip. He was the first no, that's guy. My, that was um that's um my um That was Mad that. Mike Jones, wasn't it? No, no, no. That's Mike um Metzger. Mike Metzger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Metzger. Mike Jones was the dude. He wasn't he wasn't that good. He was alright. He was just a character. He had a mohawk just and a he lunatic. was like, he, he could do tri- he could do upright tricks, but like he was, was he militia, Mike Jones? Nah, he was kind of affiliated, but he was just like his own dude. He fuck he fucked some hot chicks though. I saw him the last time I ever saw him I was at the, I was at um Hollywood in was it where the fuck were we? I think we were in we're in Brisbane or maybe we're at we're in I think we were in Brisbane at a night, was it? Oh, no, I was in Sydney. It was in Men's Gallery in Sydney. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was with I was with some other girls and a couple of my friends, and he, and he picked up one of the hottest strippers in there, and he sees me, and he looks at me, and he goes, smell you later, and he just <laughs> fucking walked out. And that was the last time I ever saw him. Well, wow. He's okay. a legend. But those guys were massive, man, and like I remember that, and then they did that. Dude, um, Krusty One changed my life. Yeah. It was like, super influential. Same with all those Booger guys. Yeah. But that was that was the era that it was. That was punk rock. That was when Vans Warped Tour was like massive. Fuck yeah. And that was like... Bro, I went to, I went to Vans Warped Tour in 97 or 98. It was Pennywise. Pennywise. Oh, Pennywise. Pennywise. It was, dude, it was that fucking... Curly I was, Park. I was, I was living on 
the Gold Coast then. I went to Kiwa Park High. And um, it was down at the Spit. Okay. Down in SeaWorld. Yeah, I went to the one at um, Curly Park. In, Cause, I, I was like... Because my best mate I at was school... 11 or tw- I was 11, I think. Bro, I was, I was close to that. I'm 84 model. Yeah, yeah I'm 86. Yeah, so... Um, so my best mate at school, Legan, he's, he's, uh, cousin was Chad Barty, pro skater. I know who Chad Barty f- is. For America. He's, doesn't his old man, uh, ran Barty's, didn't he? And Barty's, yeah. Yeah. yeah and the Q day, de- the Q day blank decks. Yeah. yeah. So like, um, so Legan Barty was my best mate at school. So we got. Is that t- Chad's little brother or? Cousin. Cousin. Okay. Yeah. So we got tickets through Chad. And we got to like watch him. That's when they had the fir- they had the vert ramp. Vert in there. ramp, yep, yeah. And they had an FMX demo too, I think. Yeah, yep, sure did. And um, yeah, it was sick. Like I got to, I got to see um, yeah the Vandals, Mighty Boston's, oh, so Blink sick. Blink on Eight Two, Pennywise clothes. I was fucking. I was in like year nine, dude. Year eight, year nine. The sick. Fuck, I love that shit. Yeah, I bro. love punk rock. I had fucking pink hair. I had an eyebrow ring for like fucking. 10 bro, years. I had different colored hair. A mohawk every, every week, man. I, like that was. That was like kind of life for us. It was like surfing, surfing and skate. Like if there was waves, we'd surf, and if you know there wasn't, we skated everywhere. <clears throat> like my best mate, like lived directly across from our school, Kibra, and like that's all we did, man. We skated everywhere, like everywhere, like through Australia Fair or down to Pack Fair, like Pizzy Park. Just degenerates eating. You'd fucking go get a subway and then get a free get free refills. You keep your cup in your bag. That was the OG days, but that was when action sports was like that was pretty much the action sports heyday. It got it got massive between ninety seven and two thousand and six. Yeah, probably two thousand seven. Yeah. That was massive, and then as everything does, people get bored once they've seen every single trick. You know that now action sports it's still big. Skateboarding's still massive because skateboarding's accessible. Everybody can skateboard. There's concrete everywhere in the world. Yeah, it's like soccer. It's the fourth biggest sport in the world now. The fact that it's in the Olympics is it's great, and one of my good friends, he's kind of one of the reasons that it's in the Olympics. He's the one of the top dudes that that they build all the skate parks for the Olympics, and he's like on. I won't mention his name. He doesn't like to be talked about, but um, <clears throat> Olympics is good for has been good for skateboarding because it's just accessible to. It makes all these other young kids same with surfing have as the well. ability. Yeah, but what they fucked up when with surfing is they have these events in these wave pools, and they should just have the one wave pool event every four years at the Olympics. And what that would do is it would make would make all of these uh, these places build wave pools, and then it would build a microcosmos of new surfers coming from that from that singular per- place, and it would make it would make it the only wave pool event in the world. Like they shouldn't have a wave pool event on the world tour, in my opinion. Um, they should have another novelty event, but that should be the one wave pool event, hundred percent. And then they develop a microcosmos in every in every place and then they leave that venue there for the public to be able to build up a community of kids coming up. Have and you surfed any wave pools? Uh, no, but I'm going to go to the one in Melbourne, Melbourne. on Monday. Yeah. I'm, doing, um, I'm doing a big event um, on Sunday. I'm doing the – with a friend of mine, we're organising the like the, the driver's after party for um, the F1 in Melbourne. <laughs> so um, shout out to Coinspot and Pirelli and – all those people. I'm gonna. I'm going to a wedding tomorrow, and then I'm gonna fly down to Melbourne. On fucking coin spot. They've robbed me some fees, man. <laughs> I don't know them yet. So, I'll, 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 <laughs> but so that so that you know, like it's interesting the whole kind of um, the whole kind of curvature of how action sports have come up, and then they've kind of become normalised. Like when I was a kid, I started skiing and surfing oh, and skateboarding. 
this. We um a buddy of mine, Mitch Revs. If you know the artist Mitch Revs, I've heard the name. I think so. He's got these decked out workshops, as like Pino and Picasso. And yeah. um, when we're in lockdown, my wife and I did. We we got this delivered, right? So Posca pens, and you get a coloured skateboard. And I literally did like my cool year nine, my year nine diary on the fucking skateboard. I still the write old, the same the as old I did. SEO, the old uh, still seaside, yeah, like Millen like fuck, man, like Pennywise, Blink One Eight Two, Lagwagon, yeah, Lagwagon, Pennywise. <laughs> but it's all SoCal culture, and that's what what it is. Oh no, that's Nelfix. Totally, but that's SoCal culture. That's punk rock. Punk yeah. rock SoCal. That's why. That's why. Um, that's why the Chili Pepper song is Cal- Californication. Californication. Yeah. They're selling yeah. Cal- Hollywood. It's it's space may be the final frontier, but it's made in a Hollywood basement. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. all of all of action sports culture is to do with the promised land in America, which was California. Sunny skies, you know, like warm weather, and because the rest, most of America's. You know the flyover states—they're not really not that nice places to live. And six months a year is fucking freezing. Yeah. Um, but so the the progression of action sports, like they—I w- started them because it was like alternative. And obviously, I, I grew up skiing. We moved to Switzerland when I was a kid, and blah blah bullshit bullshit. But like, I always identified, especially with free skiing, because everyone always used to say to me, "Why don't you snowboard?" Blah blah blah. I liked being kind of the outsider, and skateboarding was kind of like the the normalized kind of like popular one but they were still they were like the coolest and then there was like then there was pro surfers and then there was you know i remember going to when i was in grade seven my friend was sponsored by black flies and black flies used to have these parties that i'm gonna bring them back soon (laughs) the most amazing parties in the world and if you ask any og of the action sports even celebrities from back in that day if you talk about the Black Flies parties, they will tell you they were the craziest parties like in history, like of the last 20 years, like Hollywood-level Playboy Mansion parties, like all the penthouse pets, midget strippers, you know, cocaine on fucking metal trays. People used to wear the band, the like the 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 kind of like the wristband that you get given, and they'd wear it for years afterwards just to show people that they went to these parties. And I got to go to one of those parties when I was like, I must have been like 13 and we snuck in. My friend was sponsored by CHP and he was sponsored by Black Flies and he found out about the party and we like caught the bus to Mossman. They rented out this massive like fucking mansion and I'd never seen depravity before in my life. I'd seen a little bit. My parents are pretty wild. But like that was what made me want to do that life. I was like, <laughs> this is fucking rad. Like, Because for me it was like, I like rock star shit in small doses. That's what, you know. But now it's like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because now there's there's two sects of it. There's the, the free surfers and then there's the guys that want to go on the world tour. There's the skateboard skateboarding's kind of got that core culture and then there's the street league guys that want to go to the Olympics. In free skiing, there's kind of like the street guys that do like do street handrails or film video parts and then there's guys that are in the Olympics. And then there's some guys that do both. Alex Hall, he's the Olympic champion for slope style. He films in the street and he wins rail competitions. So there's certain guys that bridge it all over. But originally I got into like it because Travis I wanted to be kind of, yeah. but it's a little bit different. But um, but I wanted, to, I did it because it was alternative. I didn't like rugby. I didn't like rugby league. Like I, you know, played a little bit, but it never interested me. It was cool to be alternative. I could have green hair. I could, skiing moguls was like, it was like, we did that because Alpine was gay because I had to wear those fucking so cheesy suits and i did an alpine for a little while but i wouldn't i'm never i've never worn one of those suits and i never will because it 
fucking gay. <laughs> like, whatever, it's that politically correct or not, I don't care. It's just lame. I'm just not into it. But now, like, skateboarding and all these, these you know, sports have become like all those other sports. And they're still they're seen as those kind of things. But the argument is that it doesn't matter because there's – that's just – if you want to do that, like – the great thing about these sports is is that free sports, action sports, extreme sports, whatever you want to call them, it's what you make of it. So if you enjoy, you know, going out and doing skating curbs and just doing slappies, which is a popular thing, a little hipster thing that people do now, or you want to slide handrails or you want to go ride vert. And now the, the, the good thing about the world now is, you know, skateboarders were such haters growing up that you had to do this and you had to do it this way and blah, blah, blah. Now it's kind of like... Kids like that Ang- that Andy Anderson kid that wears the helmet that rides. I don't know if you've seen that that kind of segment that they just dropped where he just got on the Ennis team. Um, you know, er- people are just kind of accepting what everyone wants to do, and same with surfing. You know, now you see you see um, on tracks you see a longboarder on the cover. Like 10, 15 years ago, pfft, Malibu Stacy on the cover not going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's kind of it's it, everything goes full circle. It's the way the world works. There was guys on skis doing triple twisting quad backflips in 1984. But skiing was seen as lame until the late 90s when J.P. Claire and J.F. Cousin and Mike Douglas kind of started grabbing their skis and doing what the snowboarders were doing. And then now they've got twin tips and now they're cool. But even though there was, there was underground guys that were doing that 10 years before that, and there was yeah. guys that were doing front flips off cliffs in the 1950s on skis. So skiing is like the most – skiing is certainly the most OG action sports before even skateboarding. And then there's skateboarding as well. But then you look at an action sports family like the Fletcher family, there's photos of Herbie Fletcher, OG, like rock star surf god that is obviously Christian and Christian and Nathan, Nathan. Pro, very famous pro surfers, and now Grayson Fletcher. It's like four generations of, of superstardom because they're all so talented. But there's photos of um, Herbie Fletcher riding pools ten years before the Dogtown guys in ni- like in like '66, not the '70s. Yeah, you know '63, I think it was. Yeah, and there's a couple of ads that they've run of of that. So people have been doing shit for years. Just because it's not documented and it's put in the in front of everybody doesn't necessarily mean that it it didn't happen. You know, like that age old saying, "If a tree falls in the woods and it doesn't make it doesn't make a sound," you know. Did that tree actually so, fall? In the yeah, woods? did the tree actually <laughs> fall in the woods? So it's interesting to see where it's going i think instagram is kind of kind of it's 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 made it awesome youtube you know people are making money off youtube and only fans and all this stuff and that's a really good thing but then there's always going to be positives and negatives from everything so it's inevitable that our attention span is going to get smaller um technology is developing um at a fast pace but then you've also got podcasting is a massive thing i'm sitting here on your podcast I've been interviewed on multiple big podcasts around the world. I listen to podcasts religiously. I just listened to probably six podcasts in a seven-hour drive to get here. <laughs> yeah. But my attention span, obviously, I have a long attention span because I read books and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people I know that have a short attention span, they listen to podcasts too. So that's a long, digestible form of media that 10 years ago I probably wouldn't have listened to. Yeah. So it's like there's always a, there's always a kind of a yin and a yang to, to everything. 100%, dude. 100%. Now, in terms of um, in terms of this event that you've got going down in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, I want to go back to the weed stuff. You no. supplying you supplying weed. Obviously, you're a big advocate for for legalization of, of weed in Australia. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Mate, give Who us are we a, hurting. Give us what's that? The, our, the movement that we started with my um, my colleague and 
kind of partner in crime, which is um, Craze, aka the Craze Co. Um, he's an interesting cat. You should interview. He's he's an interesting dude. So we met we met through this old magazine that I used to have called Booyah. Um, the first year we set up a um, kind of came together and came up with this idea. We're like, what are we going to do to help legalize this stuff? We've been doing for. So this will be our seventh year doing it, okay? So the first year, we came together, no sponsors. We went and we made, we made, we manufactured these fake cannabis plants in China. We hired a, a shop front in Kings Cross right near the Coke sign and we built a fake weed hydroponic grow up and put a big sign out the front that said, who are we hurting? Now, we had no idea what was going to happen, okay? So we go back to my house. We got into a big fight in the morning because I, I wanted to sleep for an hour and he didn't and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we get the call at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm so tired. I'm fucking over it because we set it all up and yada, yada. I dropped my chick, all this stuff. And anyway, so we well, after we set up, we get a call in the morning and I was working on this TV show at the time. So I had to go to work in Double Bay to go do some shooting. So we got to we get, we get there and we're standing across the other side of William Street where the big tunnel is that goes down to um, to Rose, um, Bay, Rose Double Bay, Bay, Double yeah. Bay kind of thing, and on the other side where we where our the shop front that we'd rented, there's probably almost ten cops and six news crews, Channel Seven, Channel Nine, ABC. Um, I don't think SBS was there, but there was like four or five, maybe six news crews there. So there's like 15, 20 people there. Anyways, we're like fuck. We didn't know what how. We, because we're only we're quite once bitten twice like we're quite um what's the word for it we're like um quite new to it you know like we're I, I, the the word escapes me that novice yeah no, novice and just kind of like you know a little bit like green yeah green would be the <laughs> pun good way. intended we're, yeah we're a bit green <laughs> pun, no pun intended yeah. so so we rochambeau on who has to go deal with the problem oh so I won so I got to leave and I'm like I wish I'd actually gone and done it because my friend kind of. He, when he got interviewed by the cops, and I'll send you the video, you can put it in the links. He kind of, he gets interviewed and the cops go through that. And they, it was on Channel 10 and they did a thing. And they interview him as he walks out and he's like, are they plants real? And he goes, evidently not. Um, and so obviously, so that started a big kind of movement. And then the next year, um, what did we do the next year? The next year we, um, the first year we flew, that was actually the first year we flew, uh, um, before we did that stunt, we flew it. We made a giant, um, a giant banner that said, happy birthday weed. And then we got giant balloons, like helium balloons, and like f probably like twenty of them, and we we put it up like a kite, and we got called by the was CASA because for blocking the flight path, and I'm there in a giant bong outfit for super bong <laughs> with this like big flying thing, and then the next year we did that, and then the third year um the the hemp expo, the health health and innovation expo, shout out to Michelle and the crew there, they've been big supporters of us. Um, I very much love what they're trying to do. They're probably the premier cannabis uh, and kind of lifestyle expo in Australia. Um, they gave us, a, you know, about ten grand, and with some other sponsors, and we we created a hundred fake weed plants and put them all through Sydney as like kind of props. And then obviously we got we got a bunch of news coverage from that. Um, then the next year we built a twenty seven foot fake cannabis christmas tree <laughs> and we hired a big flatbed truck and a, we got a crew of people that we that we got on our team and we put it in martin place where the christmas tree is 
Oh my god! And so that ended up. We ended up getting my friend ended up getting arrested for that. I, I kind of bailed and I, I got away, but they were taking too long, and I was arguing with Your them, telling dog them to hurry up. Smoke bombed out the back door, kind of. But I had the opportunity <laughs> to kind of. I was watching my Maori mate, who's a bit of a street old street hustler. My my mate Tame, shout outs to the homie. Um, TGI Fridays. Um, so he he kind of. I I was always watching him because he's just a shady. You just kind of cluey, like I know he's grown up a little bit on the wrong side of the track. So I was kind of watching him, knowing that he'd kind of anticipate what what happened before it happened. And so I'm I remember loading up the flatbed. I was I don't know we know the flatbed had left. So I remember he's setting up, and I was carrying something to the car, and I put it away in the car. And I was and I saw him out of the corner of my eye, and he was just about to walk across the road, and I'm like, oh fuck! And then this cop car. It took him forty minutes to come, like. It, like if you wanted to do something in the city, it probably wouldn't be that difficult. Not saying that I'm an advocate of any kind of <laughs> domestic or terroristic yes, disturbance. He's nodding his um, head at me. <laughs> um, but you know, like I was surprised that they didn't come quicker. And so I'm walking. The cop car comes flying down the street, and I see Tame cross the road. And I'm like, oh fuck! So I walk away really casually, and the cop car kind of stops as it's going like a thousand miles an hour. And the guy like stares at me for just like you know when there's slow motion. And I just kind of casually looked at him. And I kept walking, and then I got away with it. And so Tame kind of—I saw him up the street. He's like, "Come with me," and we jumped in the car. And but they got like a—they got like a, a you know a public nuisance two hundred fifty dollar um kind of uh, what's it called um fine nothing major. Um, so they kicked in the they kicked in the branding that said who are we hurting, and the cops took it down, and it, was, it didn't have the massive impact that we thought it would. It was still pretty cool because it was where the Christmas tree was. <laughs> we wish I, I had we done it again, we probably would have done it maybe an hour later when there was lots of people around because you'd be really surprised what you can get away with when you got a high vis vest on and you walk around like you've you you you're meant you to run, be there. You're meant to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and the year before that, when we put up the hundred plants all through Sydney, obviously we're climbing with ladders up on buildings and we're putting them all over the place. Um, there was a couple of times the cops came past. No one said anything to us because we just acted like nothing was wrong. Yeah. Um, and then the next year after that, that was 2020. Um, we delivered. Uh, that was when COVID happened. Um, we delivered uh, two fake pounds of. Cannabis to Scott Morrison at uh, <laughs> Kirribilli House. Um, when we rang the doorbell and the ASIO officer came out, he was a little bit befuddled by what was happening. He didn't really know how to take it. It was quite amusing. All these cops came and like, obviously we didn't get that news coverage because we weren't we were meant to be in lockdown. And I, my friend sent. Uh, we had some email correspondence with the uh, the douchey left wing uh, Vice Australia editor, and we sent him the. Um, the press release, and he sarcastically replied, "Like, don't you think we have bigger problems? Like, obviously talking about lockdown and the pandemic and COVID because that was just kicking in. But like that problem, the problem of legalization still exists. So we're going to go do it. We don't really give a fuck about what yeah. you whether you tell us to go home or not. Like we're we're on a mission and we're going to do what we got to do to to do it. You know, we Se segueing on this. Where do you sit with Morrison? Uh, home Scott from marketing." Scotty from marketing. Scott from marketing. Um, <laughs> like man, it's like it's like a fucking pile of dog shit versus a fucking wet turd in the sun. Like, what are you like? Are you gonna vote Albanese in? Are you gonna vote the United Party like Clive? What? Gonna, maybe you could vote for the Sex Party, but they've got no foreign policy. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not that educated on. I I have my opinions. I'm Labor also versus liberal. I'm also talking about his roots and his. 
reaction to the narrative of the World Economic Forum because he was a young they're, liberal. They're he all, was a young they're liberal. They're all on the agenda of that. That's how you get fucking in politics. Look at P, uh, Peter Garrett. Peter Garrett entered politics with, you know, starry-eyed. That was the word I was looking for before. He was he came into politics starry-eyed, you know, like midnight oil, you know, but our, you know, the our beds are burning, kind of, you know, fuck America, all this stuff. And then he, he became a patsy of the Liberal Party. And he, he was the environmental minister and he tried to make an impact. But someone, you know, keenly um brung to my attention the fact that he was a lawyer before he was a rock star. So in that realm, if you don't tow the party narrative, you just get your head cut off. Because in Australia, our political system, we don't nominate a president that is independent from the caucus of the the, the Senate or the Congress. It's the leader it's of the parties, the party that gets the most seats in house that becomes the leader and becomes the prime minister. So if they don't tow the party line, they as as it happened with with Kevin Rudd, as it happened with Julia Gillard, Gillard yeah. as it happened with um, with Malcolm Turnbull, I think as well, didn't it? I think, yeah, yeah, he yep. got cut as well. Yep. So it's like backstabbing politics. Um, I am not that educated on have Australian La- politics. Have you heard Lawrence Moon do his version of Malcolm Turnbull? Yes, I have PM? actually. Yeah, he's a very funny guy. <laughs> and I think it's very point. funny. I think it's very funny that he can see he can see his house from his other house. So he can look at his kids. Hey, darling, Guinevere is in the pantry again eating the sweets. He's like sitting there with his binoculars looking at his other house, like his $20 million house. Um, You know, like they're all all the same. I don't know enough about Australian politics to comment on this. I can't – I have views and opinions, but they would be uninformed and they would just be kind of grasping for – for straws and for clickbait headlines, well, but I don't think that I think they're all they're all sucking on the same dick, and they don't represent the needs, wants, and agenda of the people that they're voted in to protect and do and you look still after. think Australia is a sovereign land to the Australian people? Well, depends if you understand the Terra Nullis and Teller Australis Act. I just got told by somebody high up. It's more educated than me that the Aboriginals just got given back all the crown land. I don't know. I'm not educated enough to comment on this stuff. I, I have, I have um, notions and I have theories, but they are sl- slightly educated, slightly clickbait related article um, thoughts that my brain would have that I wouldn't talk in public about because I'm not educated enough to make comment on them. But at the same time, um, I think it's really interesting. I'd like to learn more about it. There are people that I, I you know, libertarianism is, is in something interesting that I, I've kind of like looked into. Rand and Ron Paul, and you know, a lot of what the New Hampshire kind of you know people kind of prophesize. But there's a lot of holes in there's a lot of holes in um, in libertarianism. So, as my more educated lawyer brother and I have discussions about, we actually had a discussion about this yesterday. Um, about capitalism and about um, libertarianism and laissez-faire state, and you know, I, I'm not I'm not the person to to comment about this stuff. I know limited things. I'm reasonably intelligent. I know a lot about a lot, but I don't know enough about that subject to make an informed, um, conclusive argument for you to be able to digest, if that makes sense. So there, there's I do have my opinions about it. But they're very, 
very la- I lack in education because I don't really I don't really care that much and I sh- I probably should care and as I get a little bit older I'll start caring more um, I, I I am starting to look into it I think that obviously I'm I'm very much an alternative kind of thinking you know where we are we do live in a new world order COVID was all a scam um, but again I'm not a scientist and I'm not a, I don't have a degree in political science. So anything that I say would just be bullshit that I would pull out of my now, bro, butthole. From someone who lives up in the the northern parts of New South Wales. Oh yeah, I live in Sydney too, so I'm I'm back and forth. But yes, what are, what are your thoughts on? Is this El Nino shit real? Or yes, it's, or, it's real. Or, no, or is this where not, the or is this where no, the man where the, where, the, where the modification exists? And you're talking about um like Harp Project Harp and stuff like that. That's some tinfoil hat shit. It does happen, but there's no like, there's no like weather seeding happening to to destabilize the Australian way of life. Like people say, nah, that's not COVID. Make your money, a cashless society, um, control, yeah. control. Um, blockchain could have been invented by the CIA with Bitcoin. Don't tell coins for I said that. Um, <laughs> but you know, like. Agendas need to make mu- like you know follow the rich white guy, and it'll make sense. So this so the the kiss the kiss ideology, which is keep it simple, stupid, is probably the answer. So when they say that there's reptilians running the world, potentially they're they're influenced by a reptilian race if it does exist. Probably not, but the Illuminati when it was created in 1776 by Adam Weishaupt, uh, Jacob, oh what's his name, Jacob. Oh God, my cousin was talking about it. That's Jacob. Shh. Oh, he was like the he was the philosophy. Adam was the was the like the kind of like theory. Jacob, what's his name? Oh God, it was Adam Weissop. Jacob. Oh, it's like a full on and and the money was um the money was Rothschild. Yeah, and they basically used their used the Masonic um, temples of Europe to basically, you know. Create a, an order to go against. Well, it's actually Rothschild, because in Ge- in Germany their house had a red shield at the totally. Front of it. But he was he wasn't born <laughs> he wasn't born a Jew. He changed his name. He was he was a, um what Amstead Rothschild. He wasn't born a Rothschild. He was born a, a peasant son to a cobble hundred percent cobble maker. Yeah, he was. And and he was on Rothschild Way in Vienna. So his whole his hide his whole ideology and his whole um. Who he, who they claim to be, is all an invented puppetry kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. But it's the same as every royal family. If you probably go back to the to the origins of of the Windsor family and all the, we don't know anything about history. And there's a famous saying that says that history is always told from the conquering races' perspective. So the Illuminati was created to basically keep rich white men in power. Same as the Catholic Church when they created Catholicism in 330 AD with, with the um, what not the gathering of Versailles um, when they basically created the New Testament. One in three people in the Roman Empire at the time were old school Christians. They burnt all the old scribes. They basically made they said that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, which he never claimed to be, and then they created Catholicism. And basically, the uh, the Roman Empire existed basically until now, and they've pretty much run the world with their ideology. Mm-hmm. So it's a continuation, and it's a collective of people that have the same agenda, which is control. And their whole ideology of a new world order definitely exists, in my opinion. 
and 9-11 was definitely set up and there's all sorts of stuff. But the fact of, I don't think that... Are you, the, fa- are you familiar with... Bohemian the, Grove? <laughs> no, um, Shemitah, which is the sabbatical year of Judaism, which is every seven years. Yeah. And are you... Have you seen the? This is like the Ezra's and the um uh, the Kabbalah kind of like yeah. old school. Well, it's like every seven years something happens on a global scale, and it's usually to do with economics. Yeah, like twin to- twin towers. Yeah, September eleven was on Shemitah. Um, two thousand and eight, the GFC Shemitah, yeah. like, and then what happened the next one? I think it's two. What is it? Two thousand eight nine. I've got a timeline of it somewhere. In my phone. Interesting. I'd like to be. I'd like to know about that. But yeah. But dude. But um. And, and this year is we're in Shemitah right yeah, now. Yeah. But one hundred percent. And that's the that's which is Rosh Hashanah from September seventh, eleventh uh, September last and year. Numerology has a big has a big. Well, that was what I was going to ask you because going like back to Coinspot. Yeah. Um, with the crypto market. Yeah. There's a guy that I, I subscribe to his Patreon. His name's Waters Above Crypto. Yeah. And he's virtually found the code with Gamatra numerology and astrology on how the whole crypto markets run with um with Bitcoin being um like Saturn uh or or Zeus like time so it controls the market and everything in the timing of the market in crypto is all based I would off. totally believe that. I don't know anything about This guy's crypto. wild. You'd I'm love edu- this guy. I'm not educated on this subject again. I'm not going to I have no idea about crypto. I have no idea about NFTs. I've been exposed to it. I have an idea I have a thinking of what I know about it, but I really don't know jack shit about this stuff. But uh, I'm also talking. I'm also talking about the um, yeah, the basis of the of the with the way the algorithms run totally on certain dates. And it's all based and, off. It's all based and moon off cycles, new moon, full moon, yeah. bearish, bullish energy. And there's all there's all sorts of and it's all based off energy and, and it all relates back. You know, the Kabbalah was Judaism was basically an inherited form of the Sumerian and Mesopotamian uh, doctrine of religion that existed before, which is Ankian. Enyel and all the, um, you know, all the um, what are they? The um, Nefarian and um, oh, who the who the why the fuck is this name on the tip of my tongue? The aliens from um, oh, why I can't I have this name? I Enki and Elniel and um, oh, who are the aliens that? Why is it not? Hold on, let me look this up. This is annoying as shit. <laughs> Don't smoke too much weed, kids. Um, your brain will get fried. <laughs> But yeah, I just, I just, I just found that so interesting. Um, really, like in terms of just the way that the the markets ran on an algorithm, and to do with, um, you know, certain certain numerologies and astrologies. The Anunnaki, that's what was on the tip of my tongue. I don't smoke that much weed anymore. I do smoke <laughs> a lot, but only in sporadic, sporadically because of that same thing of lack of motivation. But that's another subject. But so, the, so the history of these people it all probably relates back to Atlantis potentially because it's all theory. Yeah. Um, and basically, secret societies have controlled the world for thousands of years, and it's all based off knowledge, and it's all based off. Um, that's how you kept. That's how they they kept themselves in power was was having a knowledge, whether it was like, you know, and then they would they would create these religious systems and basically say that the only way that you can talk to God is through us and they keep that knowledge secret to themselves and that's that's the basis of their whole power and so Catholicism works like that 
probably you know some sect of the of um you know kind of like the muslim religion of of um the quran and you know but again i don't know enough about this stuff to to really comment on it i only know segmented stuff that i've read but you know what makes sense is normally probably what's really happening because it's it's crazy um just the sabbatical year and this year because it was like there was heaps of sevens it was like Platinum Jubilee for Queen Elizabeth, which is her 70th year. Yeah. I think it's been 70 years since Nixon took America off the gold standard and made the American dollar yeah. the thing. Um, and obviously- That's why they killed Gaddafi, because Gaddafi was going to create the African, the gold dinar, and they wanted to take OPEC off the off the greenback, and they got rid of him, because he created a Bank of Africa. Yeah. And the only, the only countries that weren't on the- on the world economic under the world um on the world bank kind of like international monetary hustle were um were Iran, North Korea and Libya. And he he came up and you know he used to be a CIA asset similar to what Saddam was. They put these people in power. Read some Noam Chomsky from before he became a sellout. What Uncle Sam really wants, The Economic Hitman, which is another book who talks about these people. Oof. Um and basically, you know, they put people in power to to serve their agenda. That's what the CIA was basically created for, to keep people in power. And the CIA probably created Bitcoin too. And there's probably an underlying hustle to the reason why they want crypto because it's probably a pre precursor to a cashless society. 100%. And, and my dad's been talking about a cashless society for 30 fucking years since I was two years old, three years old, you know? He's talking about this and blah blah blah, and so so the the whole ideology of like um of what you know Alex Jones goes on about, and he's probably right, and he does hit a lot of nails on the head, and he did go to Bohemian Grove, and they do do that big ceremony where they potentially sacrifice children to Baal and all that kind of stuff, and it and it and it does exist, but I don't think it exists in the whole way that we think about it. I think it's probably a little bit more basic. It does exist though, and it but I think it's a little bit more basic. I think I think that they they light fires and then they sell guns to both sides. Yeah. And then and then they, and and slowly but surely, you know, they they helped fund Lenin and the Bolshevik revolution before World War 1. They probably killed Ferdinand that started World War 1. They probably they funded the Nazis. George um Prescott Bush who's George Bush Senior's father was one of the funders of the Nazis, um, you know, all the way through to Bush Junior, who was the head of the CIA and then the president. And, you know, George W. Bush, he's the village idiot from Texas that couldn't run the Houston Astros or Astros and he sent them bankrupt because he's a daddy's boy that was never meant to be a leader. But he's not as dumb as fucking Biden. Biden can't even read his own sentence. But the thing is that they use these people. Same with same with um, Obama. At least Obama was a charismatic, you know, um, kind of symbol of hope, and he could hold a conversation. But at the same time, how does a black guy from that was a sen- unknown senator come up through the ranks and somehow he's now the leader of the Democratic Party? They test these people and they incubate them, and the more things that they do for their agenda, the more. They get rewarded. Oh, good, good boy. Here's a little pat on the head, and that's what they did with Hillary. Hillary, you know, she took some some L's because that silly bitch Monica Lewinsky was giving her husband blowjobs, 
And Slick Willie, fuck, he he's the pants man, dude. He's one of the he's an old school pants man, that dude. And he there's there's stories of him knocking up interns when he was the the governor of Arkansas in Little Rock, and then them finding the intern pregnant with a bullet in the back of her head on the outskirts of the city, and and it got attributed to suicide. And so Hillary, she's she's a power monger. She's the devil incarnate, just like um our uh, our defense minister. What's his name again? Um. Ah, oh, fucking, oh, holy shit, why is the way, anyways, I'm having a mind blank again. Um, so, so these people, they get, they get groomed, same with Jacinta Arden. She's a, she's a very much a, uh, a school of this Charles Swab school of young achievers. And they, they get put in young laborers, young the, the liberals, la- yeah. young liberals, whatever, um, road scholars like, like Tony Abbott. And they basically, they train these kids and they never, they never get really informed into the agenda. They maybe might have, kind of, you know, little inklings about what they're doing. But most of these people think that they're agents of change. They think that they're doing the common man a good service by being in power. I don't think there's most of these politicians know what they're doing. But it's very easy to influence the weak-minded if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And these people have hundreds of years of... of, of uh, psychological war, warfare to, to be able to put on upon people and so these politicians they come up and you know someone like hillary clinton that's why julian assange was such a a thorn in their side that's like a that's like the anomaly like in the matrix you know and that's why he got so vilified and he didn't rape any girls what happened was from what i gather and again i'm slightly uneducated on this subject I am reading his autobiography at the moment, which is not really that interesting, but it's kind of it's interesting. Um, <laughs> but he he's an interesting cat. Like he's you know he's his parent his old man was in that famous cult in the sixties and seventies in um, Melbourne called the Family. They had a lot of like political like connections and stuff like that, and and yada yada yada. And so they got they honey potted him. And so there's an old Swedish law that says that you can't have sex without a condom out of wedlock. And they got two hot chicks that were CIA assets and then they pressed him on those charges. They're trying to get him f- to slip up so they can ha- extradite him to America because he fucked Hillary Clinton's campaign to become the first woman president. And so when 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 they all that stuff happened to Liz Lewinsky, they basically said to her, look, if you toe the line, we'll, uh, we'll make you a senator and then we'll make you a... Uh, you know, the first woman president. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I want. And that's the reason she was with Bill because she's attracted to men of power. And it is what it is. It's an attraction thing. It's an old caveman. Again, I'm not the expert on this subject, but it's very obvious if you actually understand how the world works. Yeah. And people don't – people are so segmented in how they think. They're so um, – they're kind of like put in their place and they don't really think of the origins of where things come from. Ideologies, religions, family bloodlines, they all come from a place in history, whether it was 1,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, ten when Atlantis existed, whatever it is, there was always a root before us that created, you know. Where is Atlantis? Uh, it's either in that eye in Africa or in the Azores or it's in Antarctica. Depends on, where you, on what you're talking about. Again, like it's all pseudo – I wouldn't call it pseudoscience. But I just think – I think all archaeology is all theory because we've got no idea. Yeah, <laughs> but that that Gobekli Tepe in 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 Turkey is like fourteen thousand years old, and there's like hundred ton structures there that like even modern 
I have friends that are like top level stonemasons and they look at the pyramids and they they can't explain how they did it to me. So if that ma- if that master mason that I know that's building some of the like more iconic buildings in Australia and overseas can't conceptualize how to build that with modern equipment, how did a bunch of slaves do it? So who knows? Again, it's all it's all a theory. We don't know anything. And I think that, that that's probably the the key to, to knowledge is knowing that the more that you learn, the more you realize you don't fucking know anything. Know anything, yeah. yeah. And it's all <laughs> But we all jump to these conclusions that there's these like robe figures that are like controlling the world and yada. There probably is. Whether they're influenced by reptilians or not or blah, 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 I don't fucking know. But what the, all I know is that the narrative that they feed everybody is not what's happening. 100%. 100%. Did you, uh, did you be a good boy and get you a double, double jab? Oh, I'm not going to discuss that on <laughs> I'm not going to discuss that. I'll tell you about that off air. But uh, no, but let's just say I'm very, I'm not going to comment on that because of yeah I can't talk about that at the moment. Yeah, off, off air we can talk about that. All good, mate. All good. But yeah, I'm definitely anti-vax, and I'm definitely um the the fact that I I have to go show pro, pro show, a sign, show a sign in. Oh yeah, I've, I was going to re- wear my freedom shirt that I have in my car from the documentary thing that I made. Blah blah blah. Um, but I'm definitely pro-choice, and the fact that I have to go into a cafe and sign in and show a vax pass to some bartender that like has got some kind of like duty of care over me, like, are you fucking serious? Like, get the fuck out of here! Like, God, man, it's like, and it's like, and how they were trying to get everyone to dob on each other, and like, in in Victoria, and then like, pfft, two years of lockdown, and then now COVID's just disappeared, <laughs> man. People, COVID was real. COVID did kill a lot of people. But ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, dosed in the right way, you know, ivermectin won that they they won a got it downstairs in my they, they won a, from, they won, two years. They dude. won a no they won a Nobel Prize for that stuff. I took it. I took it from the pet shop. My wife and I. My wife and I didn't get fucking. We didn't get nothing. We took ivermectin over the last two years. Did we get didn't it? get dick, did you get, dude. Did you, well, it actually comes, we didn't even get anything. Do you know what the source is from that? That my that my naturopathic friend explained to me comes from mugwort and um, mugwort and um, wormwood. So it naturally occurs, and you can take the wormwood and mugwort, and it'll do the same thing. Okay. So this is what my naturopathic. Doctor friend has my buddy me. just bought like twenty boxes of it, and I just bought a heap did, of did, them. Did he buy it from from Africa or from India, or did India? He... Yeah. So you can just go to the pet store and buy it. And I was told by my doctor friend that it's exactly the same. Oh wow! So this this uh, this this Uber driver a couple of months ago goes, I'll just go to the pet shop and you can get it for the horses. And I'm like, isn't that a bit unsafe for human consumption? He goes, dude, it's exactly the same thing. It's just packaged differently. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought about it, and I'm like, that makes sense. But I'm going to clarify that. So I called a couple of my doctor friends. And I'm like, is this true? And I sent them photos of it from the pet shop. And they go, yep, it's the same thing. So I took it after I had COVID. And two days later, I was good. But Well, we've been, like, we've been around people and everything that had it tested positive the next day. <clears throat> well, most of, when- those, most of those tests, come, like over a third of them, are, they, they come up and then they're not... They're not valid, dude. When when our baby was in the hospital, we had to get we had to get rats tested every day before we were allowed in the in the private hospital. And I think we did. I want to say we did forty. Did you 40 have to something. show a vaccination pass to get into the hospital? No. no. So in Queensland, you have to. See, so here you don't. 
because yeah. no, no, I live in I live in New South Wales. To be just to keep that, I'm not a redneck from Queensland. <laughs> I've only ever technically lived in Queensland for probably just over a year of my life. I do love Queensland, but I like leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. Like you know, we um. Because of oh, well, when we're at the private hospital, like we'll sweet because you're you're a customer there and they're charging you three or five thousand dollars a day or whatever else it is. Uh, yeah, but we got we got rat tested every day and you know, forty days straight or something like that. And we didn't we didn't contract it once, but or t- test positive. But like that's just. I'm curious to see what what's going to happen now. Um, I hope that I think the world. I think as of April fourteenth. All of this, uh, all these mandatory vaccinations for pubs and clubs and stuff, is leaving um, Queensland. Um, in order, my brother lives in my middle brother. He lives in Victoria. He's found it quite hard to get a job because he's not vaccinated. Um, I have another friend that's been stepped down by a very big company um, because he's not vaccinated and they won't let him into the office because he's not allowed. And he hasn't been in the office, so they've said that he's basically not not doing his job, which he was doing his job. So they've kind of used it as an excuse to step him down from a very high notoriety role. I won't I'll discuss that in, in further because that's none of my business. But at the same time, like who the fuck are they to tell him what he should should do? 100%. It's just a joke. And like, well, The thing that, that blows me away, bro, is like – if you're if it's there to to protect you, isn't it your choice whether you protect yourself or not? Well, the thing is that you can still catch it and carry it. So, the whole argument is null and void. If you actually understand the science of it, it's pretty basic. Like you, you feel if I'm vaccinated and you're not, I can still give it to you, but I'm safe, apparently. Oh no, it's pro it's pro prolonged safety. That's what yeah. it, that's what it is now. Oh, you so, won't so, get it. You so won't get it as bad. Well, yeah, but two out. Of, they say that two out of the three people that are now dying from COVID are like triple quad vaccinated. Hundred percent. So, yeah. it's an untested. Any other form of vaccination that got tested like that would be thrown off the market by the CDC, FDA, or TGA. But because it was under emergency circumstances, there was um, certain bylaws that were skipped around. Um, I have a friend of mine who, his. Um, the uh, vice president of the AMA for Queensland, and he's also the head of the vaccination rollout for uh, Queensland, working under Jeanette Young. Um, nice guy. I won't mention his name, but he um, he basically told me we we had discussions about this stuff, and he said, "Well, I don't really want to talk about this because I'm not allowed to talk about this." And he might have said some things in private that I wouldn't repeat on because it's none of my business to speak on his behalf. But you know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of shady shit going down, yeah. and a lot of stuff that got wiped under the carpet or put under the carpet or wiped off the floor, and it's like nine eleven. Like if you actually understand how um, you know demolition happens, reinforced steel burns at twenty one hundred and sixty degrees Fahrenheit, something like that. Aviation fuel burns at thirteen fifty Fahrenheit. So it's like. If you talk to a structural engineer, they just laugh at you and go, "It's not plausible." Yeah, and they never did a test in a in a, and and it just gets, and then they they make it they they vilify people that question the the agent like the the mainstream narrative. narrative. Yeah, and it's happening now. It happened to that Pete Evans guy, which I talked about on that 
show, and I don't know Pete very well, and I'm not going to speak on his behalf, but it happened. It happens to all sorts. It happened to Nicholas Moolah, the, the pro snowboarder. He's been totally cancelled. It happened to my friend Ahmed Dadali, who's a pro skier, who's gone really hard against his VAC stuff. He just did a big podcast talking about it. Mate, Novak Vocal Djokovic. dropped him. Yeah, Novak Djokovic, and they made it. They made an example of him. Yeah. And, like, who the fuck are they to talk about his vaccination status? Like, if he had the right paperwork, fuck you. He's a number one ten- And people say he shouldn't get special treatment. He's a fucking number one tennis player in the world. Yeah. He brings in hundreds of millions of dollars in tourism dollars for the city of Melbourne and for the state of Victoria and for the Australian fucking constitution. <clears throat> Sorry, Australian ec- economy. <laughs> like, really? Like... But but if they but, but the reason they didn't do it was as my lawyer brother my brother who just graduated law school explained to me was that if he did get off after he won that case that would have become case law and then people would have been to re- been able to reference that in court and that would have caused all sorts of bullshit for the for the establishment you know so that's like that's like you can't have that so they go after him and they make an example of example. it same thing they did yeah. with Kelly Slater. They wouldn't let. They won't let him in for these surf tours. Man, that guy's got property here in Australia. He's got eleven world titles. He's bought millions and millions and millions of dollars to Australia. Probably billions because if he because him living in Avalon and him surfing in Australia, like hundreds of thousands of tourists have come to Australia because of that guy, and he can't come here because he doesn't want to get a, a vaccination. Like, man, that's fucking. It's a joke, and it's. It's not even about whether you're pro, pro vaccination or you're not. It's about I choose to do what I want in my and put it in my body, and you know that's it is what it is. It's my choice. I don't. I shouldn't. I don't have the right to tell you how you how you raise your child. I don't have the ra- the right to tell you how you talk to your wife. It's none of my business. Mm. It's like just like I don't speak on behalf of these other people. I'll mention them, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to speak on behalf of them. It's none of my business. Hundred percent, dude. And it's fucked up and it's divided the country. It's divided people. And, and if you question it, you just get labelled an anti-vaxxer and you're crazy. Do you think that was a part of the narrative, but Do you think it was a part I have, of... I, I have theories and ideas and stuff, but like, again, people will just call me out on it and just be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. It, you know, it, 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 just, it just seems like the events across the world, like especially like Trump getting into presidency... America- Trump wasn't meant to get into presidency. No. So what happened was he was America getting broken into blue and red states. Like it's crazy how much diversity. Hegelian dialectic. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, as bad as Biden is, um, Trump very much divided America, and it made it more racist or it exposed racism. But at the same time, if you're a liberal, and like I'm probably would consider myself a moderate. I have conversations with my Hollywood liberal friends, left wing, sucking on the dick of what the agenda is. And if I talk about anything pro-Trump, they're like, you're a Trumper. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And it's like, well, all we're doing is discussing who's a better president. It's not really that I'm, I'm not really a Trumper. I think Donald Trump's a bit of an arrogant prick. But at the same time, he does talk about the nar- the, the narrative and the, the white elephant in the room. And, um, Deep state, yeah, and he, you know, he's an alternative kind of. He's got an alternative view. He's a he is a big a bit of a mangomaniac guy. But in order to be on that level of who he is, he kind of has to be like that. And he he is such a polarizing character, um, and that's the reason he became the president of America. 
And now we've got this cognitive degenerative 95-year-old fucking corpse of a human that can't even string a, a, a series of sentences together because he's the person that'll tow the agenda, yeah. that'll tow the line. Yeah. And um, it's pretty insane. It's kind of scary. I have no idea what is going to happen. I think that Putin is very much a, um, a thorn in the agenda's side. I think a lot of my Russian friends actually like Putin. I think that what he I don't I don't agree with what he's done in the Ukraine, but America's been doing that same thing for a hundred years in a lot more places. Dude, when when Biden was the vice president to Obama, he was funding the Ukraine. Oh, look at the Burisma Hunter Biden laptop stuff. Right, hundred percent. But it's like it's like the the great the. There's an age-old saying that says the de- the greatest thing the devil ever did was convince the world he wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's so obvious that it's kind of idiotic at this point. And I've kind of, I used to argue with people. I've gotten into fistfights over it. I've used to scream from the fucking ballads about alternative information. I got my Instagram deleted over it. I've had, you know, all sorts of problems and stuff like that. And I still, adv- I'm a, a, definitely an advocate of freedom. And I'm an advocate of choice, but I think that um, having a little bit more of a moderate way that you parlay that into the world is more digestible for people. Even You don't want to be that crazy guy screaming from the ballads like Alex Jones. Even if you are right, people aren't going to believe you and they're not going to give a fuck. No. You have to relate it to them. And if I can't convince them, it's not their fault. It's not my It's not... It's not their fault for not understanding the truth. It's my fault for not parlaying the truth in a way that they can understand and then relate to. So, um, you know, there's a lot of there's this there's a whole mishmash of shit that you could go down a whole lot of rabbit holes. It's an interesting um, it's an interesting subject. I definitely think that this was all for a reason. I don't know what's going to happen now. I think this Ukraine stuff is pretty interesting. I think it's all distraction. Totally, from probably the Epstein stuff. Well, that and I feel like... <clears throat> but I have a friend that know, did knew Epstein pretty well. One of my mates, he used to he used to run all the Victoria's Secret stuff and he knew him on a like first-name basis. He showed me his phone number, showed me text messages from him. And he said he was a pretty charismatic, cool dude. So those kind of dudes, he was obviously probably working for the Mossad and they were, they were honeypotting people and then they'd, they'd, you know, they'd go to bed with this hot model and then they'd wake up and there's a 13-year-old in their bed and then take photos of them, just like the Skull and Bones does where they take the, the sodomy photos and then they hold it against each other. So you can't go against the agenda because now if you get your... They don't, they're not going to shoot you. They just, they just go and um, go after your character. Yeah, 100%. And then they just cancel you and then you're not a problem anymore. Well, I, I, I've got, I feel like it's all got to do with economics. I feel like you know, you call it the quantum system or, or whatever else. I think it's beyond economics, to be honest. Like blockchain and like like well, Bitcoin's not proof of work, but still everything can be tracked. It just can't be changed the code. But I feel like by the end of Shemitah, like by the end of September, November, we should have a very very good understand of what's going to happen of, next of of what. You know, with the twenty thirty agenda, CBDCs and stuff like that. Inflation. You know, they talk about the twenty thirty agenda. You will own nothing. You will rent, and you'll be happy about it. You'll own nothing and be happy about it. Well, the 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 crazy thing about sustainability is that I talked. One of my cousins is a quite a well known statistician, and she talked about 
um, how actually after 2040, 2050, the world population is actually going to start decreasing because the population of Japan is going to halve, the population of North Korea is going to halve, population of Spain is already going down majorly because most the average um, the average uh, birth rate is going down because people are too expensive, people have got their own lives, Instagram, everybody wants to be famous, whatever it is that's the ramifications of a Western society, whether it's India's population is going to go through the roof. China's population is actually going to halve in the next 100 years as well. It's going to hit a peak and then it's going to go back down. Um, so economics is a big thing about it, but I think it's just control. I think it's just an agenda for a cashless society and a, and a, and a state score like, like they're doing, they have in China and they just want to control people. Social credit scores, yeah. Social credit, you know, you, yeah. can't, you can't go on the bus unless you're vaccinated, you can't do this. It's just all forms of control. And this is where I guess the, I guess people like myself and some of my friends, shout out to the pure bloods. Um, <laughs> I'm pure blood for the record. Um, you know, like you, you, all the muggles of the world. Yeah, yeah. You look at it, you look <laughs> at the way that you know Australia got broken up into into states, and how the like most people didn't even know that fucking each state had a leader. They thought okay, prime minister made the decision. But through these laws and locking us down, like fuck, man, like I never thought ever in my whole entire life that I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't be able to go see my best mate on the Gold Coast. I'd just drive there if I wanted to. That, that's insanity. insanity. You think you? I had to fucking live. I live right on the on the Gold Coast. My sixty year old mother had a car on both sides of the border and would sneak through a park to go see my nephew. She'd run across to the other car, jump in her in the other car, and then drive to my sister's house that's in the Gold Coast and they couldn't they had a re Mexican restaurant and they're lo like all sorts of bullshit and obviously I'm not gonna like go on and on about it but like fuck I lived I lived it and then my my little brother he was in Melbourne for most of it fuck they had it way worse like yeah, they hard. couldn't even and then it got to the point where um is that still on I think it is yeah they got to the point where there was all those mass protests and it was starting to and you saw did you see the the um the vigilantes that came in that had the the different police force that had different uniforms and yeah. stuff like that the patches the, all yeah, yeah 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 like the the class the the like basically like the the NWO like basically probably the foreign legion or who wherever those mercenaries have come the, from the South suits. Africa or whatever yeah. um but it, the, you know that public outcry but then they're only filming one street they set up those things they they have these people that go to these protests and they set up situations and then Staged, they film, yeah. they stage things yeah. and then they film it and then they make, that comes back to the history is always told from the conquering races perspective. So now how you document something is how people perceive it. And so well, it perceptions, like, it everything. Just, it was just like the guy that they said that punched the horse. Yeah. And then when you play it in full speed, he's fucking blocking himself. He doesn't even throw a punch. He does this. And the horse goes past him, but when you stop it in a frame, it looks like he's throwing a punch at the horse. Yeah, no, it's, and it's 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 all it's all fucked up. But I think that they, I I, I thought the COVID thing was going to continue, and now it's gone. So like they, it's like like they pushed that that one button. Now they're pushing this World War Three button. Maybe they'll push another pandemic button. Who like I've got no idea, but it's definitely all part of an agenda. I don't know. Well, I kind of know why, but it's all it's all theory. Yeah. I just want I just I, I, I just want to legalize cannabis, make a bunch of money, <laughs> save the environment, have a bunch of dogs, and 
fuck supermodels and porn stars <laughs> and save the, try save the world or potentially have 10 kids so we're all we're all we're all man i don't even if i became a billionaire and do what i want to do in life what am i going to get into the click before i'm 80 and then what then i'm not if i don't tell the agenda just get your head cut off like tony abbott i don't like tony abbott like like turnbull and like kevin rudd and they just you if you don't toe the line you just get either assassinated or they you know they basically go after your character like they did with pete evans obviously that's a small level thing they you know who let's and then they distract you with stuff like this stuff at the oscars like people are distracted like that's like the biggest deal in the world and wow yeah all this other stuff's happening, you know. Like, that was the biggest thing. And like, they Epstein gets – Epstein hang, hangs himself. And then the other guy hang, hung himself as well. Like, oh, how convenient. Like, really, come on. Well, even taking it back to – I don't want to use their name in vain because, you know, rest in peace, two of the greatest, like Chris Cornell and Chester Beddington. Like, yeah, you know, those guys – He was making that documentary about um about the slave the, the slave trade, right? Yeah, the child hmm. sex ch- – the child sex trafficking. Well, there's more there's – more People in slavery now than any time in history, and you know they both they do it in Dubai too. Somehow died the same way, and then when the coroner's report come back, you know it's like they didn't fucking choke to death. They didn't hang themselves. Well, they hang themselves. <clears throat> well, you never know what people, why people hang themselves. But um, those two didn't kill themselves. They were killed again. Theories we don't know, but probably it makes sense that they probably weren't killed. <laughs> they probably were killed. Yeah, yeah, I like the way you yeah, articulate yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. what makes sense is probably what happened. But yeah. again, it's only a theory because we don't know unless you're there with a the camera and you saw it happen, like, and you got three cameras and you can show me frame by frame. It's all a theory. So how, how did how did you get into camera work, by the way? Oh, uh, I, I don't work in camera work. I just direct and produce. Uh, sorry, pro- like producing. producing. Um, I used to run a men's magazine. Um, I um, I used to run a, a magazine called Booyah, and one of my ex girlfriends was the 2010 and 2012 uh, Australian Penthouse Pet of the Year, and she got me tickets to the Playboy Mansion, and I went to the Playboy Mansion, met Hugh Hefner with one of my doctor friends and ended up meeting Mini-Me, hooked up with Miss October, did all this crazy shit, had to throw some in the games and all, blah, blah, blah. Um, we ended up, my friend wrote an article for Ralph. They did a four-page article on us. Um, Ralph readers invade the Playboy Mansion. I'll send you a photo of that. It's pretty funny. Um, what was the shirt that you had on? You uh, I had a flashing that? badge that said a dingo stole my baby. <laughs> Um, which was pretty hilarious, and we and we made um it was a Venetian masquerade ball, and we made um we made Venetian masks of Hugh Hefner. So when we saw him, he thought it was fucking hilarious, and he took photos of us and put it in the Playboy, the next issue of Playboy, and the social pages. But anyway, so this four page article comes out about in Ralph, and they offered my friend uh, like us the doctor role, and because of his, you know, his medical practitioner and stuff, um, he um he ended up um. He, he ended up, he had to turn it down. And I just said to him, why don't we start a men's magazine? So we started the men's magazine and we ended up calling it Apollo. We ended up becoming the biggest independent men's magazine in Australia for about, I think we did it for about two and a half years. We got to about 20,000 issues in every um, every news agency in Australia, like major news agency. Um, that was called Apollo. Um, shout outs to Dr. Feelgood and, and, and Dom, even though Dom and I don't really talk anymore, but you know, Business is business. Sometimes you have disagreements with people. And, you know, that's that's friendships. That's family. It is what it is. People have creative differences and I'm not perfect. I've done fucked up shit. But normally I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty loyal and I'm pretty – I'm a good guy. 
But you know, you do stupid shit, and then and then you apologize to some people. They move on and do what they want to do. And so, anyways, magazines did magazines. Um, did that for like that time. It taught me a whole bunch of stuff. We started shooting a lot of hot girls, a lot of hot models. I was on set with a whole bunch of chicks and yada yada yada. And then, just slowly but surely, started doing film work and making this, and you know, hosting that. I did a bit of hosting for a couple of. Did a pilot for a TV show for Nat Geo Channel, you know. Did some TV work for my some of my sponsors, um, but I was always around photographers and filmers. Being a pro skier, you know, like we would always do photo shoots and film shoots, and get interviewed on Eurosport at you know the European Championships or at this World Tour comp. You know, there's we're on we're on with that with with this TV crew for the week or whatever, um, and then um, slowly but surely, I guess. Um, what did I do after that? Um, and then also a little bit with Fusion and then um, just exposed to it. And then I guess – and then about two or three years ago, we started – we made a pilot for our first TV show, which we haven't sold. We almost sold it pre-COVID. I'm still working on that at the moment. My um, business partner on that project is a uh, director for Naked and Afraid and Ice Road Truckers and Deadliest Catch. He started working for Cops. He's a pretty – he's a very interesting cat. Um, hopefully he does Rogan soon because it'll be one of the most interview, most interesting interviews you've ever heard. He's he's a fucking interesting cat, and um, yeah, just slowly but surely, just kind of got into that. We used to work for a creative agency called Showtime Marketing, putting up street posters. Then we were going to start a a creative agency together, and then I kind of got screwed over, and then yada yada yada, and then kind of just it more so happenstance, I guess, and just exposure to it. Um, I'm only probably now just starting to get good at it. Um, I've, there's been a lot of like circus kind of shows that we've done. Like, so, you know, we've always been on point cause I've always worked with the best filmers, but me as a producer and as a director, I'm only really just starting to learn how to do it at a like high level. Obviously all the content we've produced is pretty high level, but that's cause I work with really good people and just let them do their thing. And I just have my creative input in it. So I think my skill set is definitely dot connecting. I can talk underwater with bowling balls in my mouth. Evidently, that's pretty obvious from this podcast. Um, but I also know how to in- how to incentivize and motivate and give the ball to the people that are the best of what they do and then give them my creative input and tell them what I want and how I want it, but while still not trying to micromanage them too, too much, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like... It's all happenstance, really. And I, I had an interest in it. Um, I used to, like, I started living in in, um, in LA and I met, like, this kind of holy crew of Hollywood people. That they're, One of my friends, he's kind of like, they're kind of like fishermen. So if you live in, in Anchorage, if you live in Juneau or Valdez in Alaska, you're a fisherman. Where there's this, one of my friends has grown up in Hollywood and he's a, he's a filmmaker. His father was worked for Steven Spielberg. He was his head of special effects. He came up, he built the animatronic shark for... Jaws, he built that rolling rock in that Indiana Jones runs away from. So, like, meeting people like that, it was, like, quite fascinating and just kind of meeting these really cool – because Hollywood's full of fuckwits and I've met a lot of celebrities and I've had interactions. I used to make music videos, yada, 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 bullshit, bullshit. But I found it quite fascinating that these people were, like, so obsessed with filmmaking. Um, It's definitely something that I want to pursue in the future. But – I want to pursue it on my – I wouldn't say on my own dime, but on my own on my own kind of 
I'm, I've started writing a screenplay. I want to make the the Australian like kind of iconic stoner movie. I've started writing a, a screenplay for a movie called the, the Big Smoke, and I want to make like a dazed and confused kind of like um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, Clueless. Um, uh, what's what's another one? Um, fucking How High. Um, you know, like. Um, you know, like a stoner comedy for that represents that Australian Orchie bottle pineapple express. kind of pine, yeah, pineapple express. Um, that what's the one with um, you got knocked the yeah, fuck out Friday. The best Friday, the, yeah. the best one ever made is the Dave Chappelle one, which is um, is that how high? Yeah, yeah, it is how high. Yeah, yeah, how high? How high? Hold on. Is it how? Yeah. yeah, it is how high. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's that's Method Man and Red Man. Hold on. What's the um? It's on the. It's on the again. And it's again. It's on the um. Half baked. Half baked. That's the oh, fucking yeah. movie. Half baked. Yeah. I want to make an Australian half baked in the in the style of um, Two Hands and um, Getting Squared, the one that 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 blew up Heath Ledger, and then the other one that blew up Sam Worthington. Worthington yeah. Um, both gangster movies, both very cool, interesting. One about Sydney, one about the Gold Coast. Um, I think Australia needs something that documents that stoner culture. And as someone that's kind of an advocate and I'm, pr- I'm reasonably funny. I, I can write semi-okay. I'll find a good writer to write it and make it better. But um, even if I don't get into filmmaking, that's one of my goals is just to make that one what movie. What sort of like era would you do it in? But Probably late 90s, early 2000s. So our area. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Because I think that yeah. that was before stoner culture was <clears throat> too prominent in Australia. Because like, like, I watched a... I play footy with a lot of good footy players, man, and um, all of them smoke bongs. Bro, I lost a lot of good, like a lot of mates. Not not lost them, but like those guys lost rugby league, especially on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Just potheads, man. Nothing else to do. Potheads, and it's funny because in that in that um, Pam and Tommy um, series, yeah, he travels to Cancun with um, Brian Head Welch and the drummer of Corn in the in the show. That's who he's with, and that's who he hangs out with. And like that kind of transition from punk rock to like that new metal, that yeah. new metal era with like you know the fucking long baggy jeans and the shell toes and the and the crew socks. And well, like that was was glam rock going into that punk era kind of thing. That like ninety two, ninety two. Well, it really, it was grunge first, then it was punk rock. You know, well, like probably at a similar time. Yeah. you know what I mean. But, but that was definitely that transition from like that that's, that's that what, hair metal kind of eighties Guns and Roses, Poison. Well, like Limp Biscuit, yeah, Corn, yeah, like that, like that sort of Slipknot, yeah, like that sort of era for me. And just I can picture the people like on the Oval, the dudes who smoked, smoked weed, and you know the guys who you know, um, an E. H. Holden. Fucking surfboards, you know, like that's that that represents it's like the, the flat stone. cap. It's like the flat cap energy drinking low truck unit wearers of that <laughs> yeah. early two thousand, mid two thousands. Yeah, yeah. And that was probably the downfall of unit, even though probably Paul and Ian might not admit it. That was it was like a that was a counterculture for an era. Yeah. Now eras don't last forever. Eras there. It's a segmented time that comes and goes. It's the same with the crusty era. They're not they're that's gone. You know what I mean? It's never going to be repeated. The bodyboard era, gone. Kobe Abbotton being super fucking like that surfer era of like the the free, the hell man, like kind of gangster, like bra boy. That was an era. Now now it's like clean cut, 
you know, obviously someone like Philip Toledo, he's kind of like a – he's a bit punk rock, but he's still an athlete, you know. So now we're in the super athlete era. The action sports are at such a high level now that you you can smoke a joint on the weekend, but you can't be fucking – you know, I used to fucking smoke bongs in the fucking gondola on the way to compete on the world tour. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> smoke a joint with the fucking with the dude, the the course the course guy before I dropped in, and like that's why I was into it. And obviously, I I've heard stories of some of some of like super famous Australian uh, motocross guys that'd be sitting in their van and they'd smoke fucking ten bongs before they they do their Mister Motocross race. You know. And so, but that was a bygone era, and that was just a segmented of time. But it would be really interesting to make. There's a guy named Harmony Quartet. He made um, Spring Breakers, and he made um, a bunch of other like really iconic movies of the last like ten or twenty years, probably ten years, fifteen years. He made that. Um, I think he made the the um, what's the movie? The Beach Bum. Have you seen that? No. Oh, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. He's like me in twenty years. <laughs> So maybe 10 years, 15 years, yeah. probably 15, 20, 15 years. He's a fucking legend. Um, what, um, fuck, he's a fucking, he's a pretty boy too. What, what, what's his name again? The guy from um, from The Wolf of Wall Street, the Matthew McConaughey. Okay. It's one yeah. of his best roles. It's amazing. But it, there's no movie, in my opinion, that documents that Australian kind of like era of um, of like stoner culture. It's like, and it needs to be documented because – it's fucking funny. Yeah. And nowhere else in the world has the dirty orchy bottle with the with the chop bowl. Yeah. And like one like a good a good analogy, one of my business partners that I used to compete all over the world with in freeride comps, he was probably the best in the world for his age at the time. And he used to smoke heaps of bongs and that's how we met each other. I originally I was he was getting interviewed on Eurosport at the Slope Style, the European Slope Style Championships, and I'm behind him smoking a joint, blowing big O's in the back of it. And um anyways, he ended up we the next couple of few days, a week or two later, we're at we're at this uh dude's house and his father is the Lord of Cornwell. And his nickname's Pikey. He's got dreadlocks to his ass and he's like a, he's Lord. His father's a Lord. And uh so Corey comes over and he hasn't smoked any weed for ages. This is like the difference in stoner culture. And and Pikey's like, oh, do you want a bong? And Corey's like, yeah, yeah, I want a bong. And so in England, they chop. They chop with tobacco. In America, in California, that's like sacrilegious. You don't do that. So Corey, Pat, he, um, James or Pikey gives him a, a bong and Corey pulls it like he would his big glass bong in California. And Corey dro- drops the bong. Bong water goes all over the floor and he pukes all over the floor. And he looks at the guy and goes, what the fuck? And then all these English guys are like, what the fuck? Where did you puke on? But Corey was so disgusted because there was there was tobacco in the weed. <laughs> but they're like looking at him like, who the fuck are you, American? We just gave you a bong and you puked on our floor. So there was this like difference in culture and they had no idea what the fuck was happening. Yeah. But because I'm from Australia and I grew up in California and I understand the chop bowl because they, they smoke similarly to there – because there's not as much weed and it's suppressed and it's illegal. Whereas California, it's like everywhere and it's just more usual to to have a lot of weed. It was like this counterculture of two cultures meeting each other and this like conundrum of of something that just happened. And it was like these two people were like, what the fuck? And he's like, what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Like who the fuck mixes with tobacco? Like <laughs> it was very fucking hilarious. But yeah. I'm just sitting there like laughing my ass off because I understood – 
these two cultures meeting in this strange place in Switzerland in this fucking one of the most eclectic fucking expensive ski resorts in the world, you know, like it's just like something that will never happen again. Like it's just fucking funny happenstance, you know. So I think that that for Americans, they've got no idea about that orchy bottle bong smoking um, culture that we grew up with. That's not how they grew up. They grew, you know, they 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 grew up with like Cheech and Chong and like it. Hey man, it's like a totally different kind of. It's a totally different culture. It's yeah. the same. It's but very it's, similar. It's, but it's totally different at the same time because it's like well, especially if you're talking from a California perspective. Because we're so ostracized, but that's where that's where I would base all my culture off is because Californication is stoner culture. That is Humboldt County. That is Bohemian. That is you know, it's, um, what's it called? Uh, not Stanton University. What's the um Berkeley University? That's Berkeley, where the the hippie yeah. movement started. Timothy Leary, yada yada yada, all that BS. Um. So that, that kind of stoner culture has been so documented in American history from Cheech and Chong, you know, obviously Days and Confused, The Breakfast Club, um, you know, Count Clueless, there's all the burners in that. Like this, there's, it, it's, 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 a, it's a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah, Dude, Where's Pineapple My Car? Pineapple Express. Oh, Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, it's all yeah. stoner comedy. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny to us. But well, there's no Australian stoner comedy that I've ever seen. Well, even like Seth Rogen and Franco, they like they all their stuff's oh, all stoner. The end is Knock, like, knocked up. The end. The end is like yeah. amazing. Danny yeah. McBride is my fucking hero. <laughs> oh my god! One one of my friends was worked on the Alien movie as a gaffer, and he and he got to go to Frankie's in Sydney with um with Danny McBride. They all used to hang out there. He got drunk with him one night. He said he's the funniest, coolest motherfucker he's ever met. I was like, that's one of the only people that I would love to meet and be like. I would fanboy about because he's so funny. Like he just seems like the coolest motherfucker. But I think that um, it'd be really cool to make a movie about Australian stoner culture. And that's kind of one of the like to-do lists that I want to do, regardless of whether I have an interest in pursuing movies or not. It's got to have a big day out. I just want to do that for the <laughs> sake of doing it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the uh, – one of the when I was a kid, my dad had this um, filing cabinet and it had this weird multicolored – Rasta sticker that said Mullumbimby Madness. <laughs> and I always wondered what the fuck that was. And I used to ask him, like, what is, what's that? You know, like, and my dad, you know, he was friends with Michael Hutchins and he had, you know, they grew up on the Northern Beaches. One of his big drug dealer friends used to have a fucking uh, house in the 70s that was in the, sh- he had a pool in the shape of a dollar sign. And this is in like the mid 70s. So they grew up with a lot of interesting cats, you know, but my dad's not really a stoner. Um, but, you know, I remember seeing people when I was a kid, friends of his that had come over and he's like, oh, he just got out of jail. And I was like, oh, what for? And he's like, oh, marijuana. And I'm like, what's marijuana? And he's like, oh, it's really bad. Like, So I had this stigma when I was a kid that, that cannabis wasn't – I was like, oh, it's like the forbidden kind of thing. And like, oh, I didn't really get exposed to it. My parents only aren't stoners. My mum eats cookies and stuff now. And I smoke weed with my mum. But I think that that's something that really needs to be documented because Australia has a culture too. And it and it is for us, you know. We now we're in our mid thirties, early thirties to mid thirties, um, and late thirties for me. And and uh, you know, like um, they, um, it is something that needs to be documented because it's fucking funny. You could really make a really cool movie. That movie, have you ever seen that movie Deck Dogs? That skateboard movie that they made that Tony Hawk's in at the end of the bowl. That's kind of funny. That's like an Australian movie. It's like a small budget. 
like kind of like skateboard movie and it's kind of got funny situations and it's kind of like a an inspiration that I would think about in my brain yeah. of certain situations that they've created that well, could could be in a movie like that. I'm also thinking like puberty blues without the I've fucking I've never seen puberty blues without but write that without down. without the fucking like without all is the Is that an Australian movie? Yeah. It? Oh, it's a, it's Australian movie and they made it into a series. Actually my um my mate Sean Keenan who's um Australian actor has worked a lot with Sam Wellington and stuff. He was the main main boy in Puberty Blues. Okay, I'll have to check that out. The first one was the first one was done in Cronulla. Okay. Oh, it's based in Cronulla, yeah. But it's it's more of a drama. So, what was it like growing up in the Shire as a as a kid in that kind of like booger booger culture? Because like I'm from Narrabeen originally, and Narrabeen is like one of the only ungentrified suburbs of. Sydney that still exists because it's on Narrabeen Lake there. And if you're famous in Narrabeen, shout out to the Narrabeen Sands boys that I was drinking with the other day with my dad. Um, Narrabeen hasn't changed for 30, 40 fucking years. Same with Avalon. I was in staying in Avalon the other day. Um, but most of Sydney, Redfern's changed, become gentrified. Um, Newtown has become what it's become. Blah, 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 blah. Um, what was Cronulla like? Because that's, for me, like... I remember going to Shark Island a couple of times because I could bodyboard, but I wasn't like that good. But I had friends that were like pro level, winning Sydney bodyboarders, and like hanging out with Ben Player and Toby Player and all those dudes because they're from Av. Um, what was what was Cronulla like when you were a kid? Because you're you're a rugby rugby league, yeah, kid, right? yeah. It was, um, I guess, like any kind of coastal town, man. You know what I mean? Like you, um, <clears throat> I know we yeah we played footy and we surfed and we skated and you know we we ran a mark like we we're kind of lucky that through school we we had tension like you know we'd go through Miranda Fair and fucking do drop rolls and knock over big piles of fucking toilet paper stacked in Woolworths and do fire in the holes back at fucking McDonald's when we got our peas and stuff like that like but it was it Can was you explain a, what a fire in the hole is to the listeners out there yeah so you order a thirty cent cone um, and then as the driver. Uh, or you normally get the person in the back seat, so then you can drive off. So the person behind the driver, you pull them up to the window, they get the 30-cent cone, and then you go, yell fire in the hole and you throw it back to the person who gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor, poor McDonald's staff member on you know $7 an hour getting fucking slammed with an ice cream. So um, actually, I think, Mike, I think Mike Stewart did that in te- the original tension at Caring Bar McDonald's, yeah, which is, which is quite funny. But, yeah, like, it, it was That's cool, awesome. man. Like, we we had um, a, a lot of our, like, you know, recreational stuff around Cronulla was, was based around... Um, Rugby league and, and surfing. Well, surfing, yeah. Like, you know, we had, like, um, Cronulla board riders, which include the bodyboarders as well. So you'd have, like, reef and rooster night. So, like... The older guys would, you know, you take go out to reef, go out to like Voodoo's or Second Lefts or something like that, and you surf, and then you know everyone would go to Red Rooster at Cronulla on Kingsway, and you know hang out. Like there was a big surf culture there, obviously, um, and even if you didn't surf, like you you probably grew up doing nippers or something like that, mm. and you were around the beach anyway, especially around summer. Um, and then like as you get older and you get your peas and stuff like that you start traveling like you go over to bundina and surf flat rock and and, yeah. and how old were you when you moved to the gold coast um eight eight to 14 i spent on the gold coast oh, okay cool yeah so and then what part of the gold coast um southport 
Okay, cool. Yeah. Southport was pretty ghetto back then. Still, still, still is. is. Yeah. Still a fucking shit. Yeah. yeah, man. Both my parents were heroin addicts. So. Oh, no. Yeah. And, how, yeah. and, and you ended up playing professional rugby league for a while, did you? Well, I didn't go professional, but I got so I got signed out of school. Um, but yeah, like I was quite lucky in terms of my, my sporting, my sporting abilities through school to get me into, into good schools or decent schools like Catholic schools and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, man, like I was a bit of a loose cannon. Like obviously the way I grew up, um, you know, I've, I fought for my own survival. So I guess anything that I was good at, I kind of sabotaged anyway. Like, you know, I started... You know, eating pingers, did you, like did you have many much interaction with like the Maroubra Bra Boys crew as a kid, or was was Canola no. very segmented away from that? Yeah, it's very segmented Tom, away from Tom, it. Tom Ugly Bridge is like another, it's like another planet, isn't it? Really, on the other side of that. Well, indirectly. Well, yeah, like the the mindset from people in the Shire, and especially like when you're a a Cronulla per, like a Cronulla person, you know, it's kind of two two three oh for life. There's two yeah. types of people in this world, people from Cronulla and people that want to be from Cronulla, you know, God's country. <laughs> but it's kind of the same in any surf town. Like I'm sure people from Narrabeen say the same thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't, go to, Con- you don't go to Collaroy, nah, you don't go no, to Mona or Warriwood. No, everyone kind of surfed. There was the tension between like the, the Avcats and the Newport Plus guys, but like it wasn't, it wasn't like bra boy stuff, but the, there was definitely... Narrabeen is definitely the most high-level sur- city surf beach in the world for, like, how people – like, the level that people surf at. Obviously, Damien Hardman, Noodles. Like, there's been a lot of world champions that have come from Narrabeen. And Narrabeen was just a highly competitive surf place, very localised. Tom um, Carroll? Tom's from Newport, actually. Um, he's not from Narrabeen. Oh, isn't he? I thought he was Narrabeen. No, no, no. Well, his shop was at – Mona Vale. Yeah, it was at Mona. Yeah, yeah. No, that's perfection. No, no, yeah. totally different. Diff- different, like, it's like, no, that's a bit like chalk and cheese. But no, he lives in Ave now. Um, no, but, you know, he's a cool dude. I, his daughter works for us for a long time. Um, so, it, you know, it was interesting because my parents used to have three Mexican restaurants on the northern beaches, one in Coogee for a little while too. Um, so I always had a sense of identity because my parents ran these famous places that were iconic on the northern beaches. So Kelly Most Slater used to come. Mexican kid. Kelly Slater used to come in all the time. He said in waves in a waves interview that it was his favorite restaurant in the world. Um, he lived at Av for a long time. I think he still owns an apartment there actually. And then they tried to film Baywatch at Avalon, which was kind of funny. The northern beaches was an awesome place to grow up. Um, I loved it. I really didn't like when we moved to the Gold Coast. Because everyone was a fucking bogan and had no idea about anything. And I'd just gone – I was on my verge of going pro at like 15, turning 16. I quit mogul skiing, did the rip curl heli challenge. And then I went – I broke. I got kicked out as correspondence because I didn't do anything. And then I went to Miami High for a term and I was like – I'd just come back from Europe and heli skiing in New Zealand for like two months. And I come back and I go to school there and people are like, I've never been to Sydney before. So – it was like a different. It was a world. different world. Yeah. It wasn't what I was exposed yeah. to. So you only know what you know, kind of thing. And it's not like that. I really, like, kind of like, wasn't friendly with those people. I thought that I was necessarily better than them, but it was definitely a culture shock for me. <laughs> did <laughs> to you, say the did least. You, did you go to a private? Did you go to private? School I went to. In- I went to private school for year seven and eight. I went to a private school for year seven, like GPS school. Then I went to a Rudolf Steiner school. Then I went to school in France for a year. Then I did went to Narrabeen High for two years, which is a sports high school, probably the best. Then I went to school in America for a little while. 
and then I did correspondence for two years, and then I went to um, school on the Gold Coast for like a term, and then I dropped out because it was like, fuck that. I didn't. I couldn't deal with the kids there. That it just wasn't my bag. Because it's kind of like a, it's weird <clears throat> that we talk about schools because you you only really talk about schools when you, if you're from Sydney. Yeah, no, no, I definitely. F- Melbourne feel, too. I feel, Melbourne too. I feel like like Sydney and like probably fucking LA or something like that is nah, probably LA's, the LA's, only LA's only place not like that. you would talk about schools because I remember when I first like because uh like my o- only Sydney my best mate went to Joey's yeah so. On that's like, in that's on the Gold Coast, isn't it? No, nah, St Joseph's Hunter, Hunters Hill. Oh, okay. So the GPS school in Sydney. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. And um, and so like that's like the southern GPS school, isn't it? Like the that's like the Shire kind no, of one. No, no, it's at Hunters Hill. It's over like over like um Roseville Bridge. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. all right. Um, and like we'd hang out with them in the school holidays, like the the. G- like the, he went to school with um, like Luke Burgess and Kurtley Beale and all those famous like you know Wallabies guys, um, and actually, do you know the band Rufus? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so jo- Nick's younger brother John is one third of Rufus. Okay. Um, and then their youngest brother Alex does all their vi- all their film clips. Okay, cool. With our other good, but mate. it definitely my my cousin is from like the eastern suburbs. He went to. Cranbrook and Scotts, and definitely they're those little nerd burglars from all that little kid, and they're all cokeheads, and they're all like yeah. pretty hilarious. Like, but it's definitely a click. And, it's um, definitely a click, and because um, it's like you meet that's these why, guys. Like, like, what school did you go to? And you're like, I don't know, go to a private school. That's why you know they definitely they're all about that. Yeah. That Sydney's an interesting place. It's like I call it the little apple because it's like limited opportunity, and there's like only a certain amount of people that are that have got a piece of the pie, and they don't like sharing the pie. Nope. And so these little microcosmoses just have are at war with each other, and so you'll do 10 good things and then one bad thing, and then they'll just talk about the bad, bad thing. They just thing. like shitting on each other. So I, I, like, I go back to Sydney for work, and then I fuck off again. But it's like it's an interesting place to have grown up there. Um, the best high school I went – I went to a Steiner school. That was pretty interesting. One of my mates that I used to go to school with, his dad was Bob Ellis, who's like a like a playwright and like ran for as a as an independent politician and yada yada yada. And then one of my other friends, his mum was like the other Athena Star woman, and his dad was the Oral B guy. You know the guy. This is this is Dave. He's a dentist. R- Rob. We, we can't we can't. Yeah, it was Rob. Rob. We can't show you his face on. So his dad was the dentist guy, and he worked for the psychic hotline on the on the side and like. So that and I went to school in France. I went to school in America, but yeah, definitely Sydney. Sydney and Melbourne are the, probably the only places that they ask. More so Sydney, but they're all my friends from Melbourne that are, that they went to school with Lindsay Fox's son and blah blah blah. They was all Melbourne grammar. I actually walked past there with one of my chicks the other with my, one of my chicks in Melbourne the other day, and it was she was just talking about it and like she's from Canada, so she doesn't really know about it. But um, but yeah, definitely like all those Cranbrook kids and all the Scots kids. You know, I I grew up skiing with um, with the Oatley family. James Oatley and they're all Bob Oatley's kids or grandkids. They own Hamilton Island. They're all the billionaire family. They're, they're all right. But, you know, I remember being like – I grew up in Switzerland and stuff, but my, my dad would buy me new skis, but I had old ski boots and they'd have like brand new race suits and all this stuff. And I remember being a sport and wreck and like – and they weren't like – they were kind of dickish. They all went to St. Aloysius or Cranbrook or whatever the fuck it was. But, you know, I met all these rich people because I was – what did rich people do? Ski. They ski. Yeah. They play polo and they golf. And that's how when you're better than everyone else at skiing and you're funny and you fuck lots of girls, everyone wants to be a friend. So 
I've never really had a problem with like being picked on or anything. A couple of times, obviously, like you, you know, you get was what it is. I didn't play rugby, but I did play rugby for a year or two. Nothing, but I was like kind of one of the boys. But then I was kind of an outsider because I skied and didn't snowboard, um, and I was like a little bit on the fringe. But the best high school I ever went to was definitely Narrabeen Sports High because there was a lot of kids. There was kids from out west. There was kids from the east. There was all the local kids and. Every like everyone that went there for TSP, which was the targeted sports program, was there for a reason. I went to school with Anthony Watmow with with Choco. He was in Choc, a couple of yep. he was in a couple of years above me. He's in, he was a funny. I've got some funny stories about him. Um, and then and then um, and then also you know like a bunch of kids that ended up playing for the Wallabies, a bunch of pro surfer kids. Um, but everybody there was cool to each other because people were either there for a reason, or the kids on the northern beaches. Most people had money. Or enough money to go skiing once a year, and you know, you everyone was kind of on a similar level. There wasn't really much animosity between like, yeah, my dad bought a Ferrari or this is like so, so like, the Northern Beaches was kind of like the rich, like kind of blue collar people. You know, this is a tradie that makes good money, and you know, whether it's the eastern suburbs is the banker kids and the Jew, the Jews, the yeah. Jewish kids that. Fathers own this pra- the the rag trade or, and my cousins all lived in Bellevue Hill. They lived down the road from Kerry Packer and Bellevue Hill. Yeah, Bellevue Hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah Ro- Nose Bay. Yeah, <laughs> can't say that. Pulling unpolitically correct. Someone will get me, um, get deplatformed for that comment. But um, but yeah, it was definitely se- Sydney's very segmented in in the areas, and there's not a lot of um, it's not a lot of love for each other. It's a it's a funny 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 place because Australia is so ostracized from the rest of the world and then you've got Sydney which is probably the only economic mecca in the southern hemisphere what Buenos Aires what Rio like these are kind of like second world countries you know New Zealand's tiny um is it Sydney's really the financial capital of the southern hemisphere um Melbourne people seem to be a way cooler than Sydney people way cooler yeah, Sydney's are interesting. I think you hit it on the head, like Little Apple. Like they're all fucking yeah, yeah. snobby little gronks. Oh, yeah, no, no, I definitely, I, yeah. I, I, I get it. Not everyone. I get it all the time. Still now, as an adult, I had it like with someone's manager, who I'm not going to mention, probably about two days ago, being a cool guy, and it's like, and then people find out who you are, and they're like, "Eh, I'm not. Really they'd be nicer to you." It's like, man, fuck, you don't know shit. But and it's funny because I, my friend that I do all these stunts with. He's from Greystains. He's from way out west. West, yeah. And so I've That's still hard knocks out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's an interesting cat, man. He's a fucking... But we're like from two different worlds. And cannabis has united us. And while I do go out there to the to the west, I definitely turn up my nose and I wouldn't want to live there. But, you know, whatever. F- fuck no. But it is what it is. They're nice people. I don't have a problem with them. But they don't know any better. And that's, that's the reality that they live. And I relive the reality that I live. But... um. Cannabis has definitely brought us together, which is kind of interesting. Um, I started making music videos. I, I did a bunch of stuff with Cursor and Bliss and SO and yada, yada, yada. I'm good friends with Forte. He's an interesting cat too. Um, so that kind of whole – there's all these different segmented kind of things in Sydney. It's a strange – I think I definitely think it's the little apple though. There's like limited, limited, limited stuff and no one wants to share anything with anyone else. And if you do make it – Somehow out of the abyss onto like the Delta Goodrum level or to the, to the um you know kind of she like, went to PLC but oh she's sexy <laughs> I want to fuck that chick so bad 
that dude. I definitely impregnator. Um, she's a mad. She's mad. Yeah. I'm mad, dude. I'm yeah. Friends is. Anyways, I can't talk about that on camera, but um, but yeah, like this, it's just an interesting place, man. Just to say the least. And because I went to so many different high schools, and because I, my cousin lived in the east, and because I skied, I got exposed. And because I was into, I started getting into street art and and graffiti. And not, not, I'm not an artist in any way, shape, or form. I'm not a graffiti artist. I'm not, but I've been exposed to a lot of graffiti, and I've been exposed to a lot of rappers, a lot of un, like you know, like. With chilling it and all those dudes, blah blah blah. So it's interesting. It's a, it's very Sydney is very very segmented. Yeah, and it's it's I've I've always called it the little apple, and I think people would probably think I was arrogant to say that, but I think it's a really good analogy. Oh, on, fucking is hundred percent because it's yeah. like limited opportunity, ostracized from the rest of the world. Everyone's got a chip on their shoulder. Well, I've seen it in the east, man. Like you'd, I lived in the east for like ten years. Yeah, and you'd see, you'd see. This, you meet this chick and she's super cool, nice. She's from Campbelltown. Within inside three or four months, she's Bondi. She's Bondi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I live in Bondi. Yeah. Good so I like Double Bay more than Bondi. I hate Bondi. I like Double Bay. Double Bay, everyone's nice to each other. Double Bay. They Double all know that they've, they've all got money and yeah. they're just cool. Like, yeah, there's wankers there, but most of the wankers come from Parramatta with their, with their, um, with their Ferrari and park it out the front of, um. The of, chief of Medellin, or what? Not what's it called? Um, Marcelo Rio. Um, no, no. Um, where where um Mississippi used to be? Um, Sinaloa, or out the front of that other. Oh, Casablanca. Casablanca. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, and, and, and like I, I got a lot of homies that live there. Shout One of my friends. Pa- shout out to Powada, my man. Yeah, you're talking Pizza about Poe. Poe, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know Poe. Yeah. Um, he's a good dude. Um, but yeah, one of my friends is like the. The most hated man in Double Bay. One of my business partners. He gets more pussy than anyone in Sydney. Warren Ginsburg. Other than no, no, no. His name. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to mention his name. Dave Malus. His name's Troy. Um, but he, him, him, and him and Justin Hems and and the other dude that Julian Dubias dude is a bit of a wanker. Um, they all compete for the same girl. It's just a funny little microcosmos. And because I'm always with hot chicks, I kind of get exposed to it. But I only get exposed to it in very small doses. Why are you always around hot chicks? Um. Because I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's probably making content. <laughs> probably because I got a big dick and I fuck for hours. It's probably a multitude of reasons. <laughs> we won't go into that. Um, but no, I'm definitely women and weed are probably and good food are probably my three favorite things. And that and heli skiing. What's the uh, what's the cuisine of choice for Willie Biggs? Um, really good sushi. Um, hungover food is definitely uh, yum cha. Oh fuck yeah, dude! Get, <laughs> drink some sing towels in a cold glass, and just after you've had a fucking couple of roots, and go with your hot chick, and then smoke some weed. It's awesome. Do you like the mango pancake at the end? I don't do dessert that often, no. But I definitely like it. I think it's pretty tasty, but I don't really do that. And then what else? Obviously, really good Mexican food, but it's pretty hard to find in Australia. Fuck, um, I love Mexican food. Is my favorite food, like Southern um, Cal. Have you been to Bear Flag in, um, like down in, in like Costa Mesa and Huntington and stuff? Uh, I, I've definitely, I've definitely been to a lot of Mexican restaurants in that area. It's not Mexican, but it's like a bar that does. Have you been to Marcelo Ria? How they, it's like the New York style butchery, but you choose your sides and you. No, like, I don't think I have. Okay, so Bear Flag is like a. It's kind of like a take on a dive bar, yeah. And they you choose whatever fish you want, and you can get like burrito or whatever else. And it's yeah. it's it's called Bear Flag. It's fucking awesome, but it's it's only only in um Orange County. 
Yeah. Actually, I think there's one in SD as well. I used to live in Orange County for a while when I was a kid. Yeah. That's when I went to school in the States. Um, Newport. Yeah, Newport. But it might, it actually might, Costa Mesa. One of my best mates lives in Newport. I like, um, I like, I like, uh, I'd like to, we, I was actually, we were just in the process of potentially opening another weed dispensary in, um, we were in the running to do it in uh, Encinitas. Obviously, I've Encinitas, grown up going yeah. to Encinitas a lot because that's where Dragon was. I was on the Dragon International team. I was on Spy before that. So a lot of my sponsors were in that area, obviously, because my, my parents, my dad was into motocross. We used to go to Anaheim one a lot, went there like three or four times. Um, so I love, I love San Diego. I love Old Town. I love Mexican food. Fucking oath. I fucking love it. And like I said, my parents opened their first Mexican restaurant in 1987 and basically made Mexican food famous in Australia. Um, there was a, a Mexican place in, in North Sydney called Had to Happen. That's a pretty interesting name. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. I Fuck I miss California and Mexican food. But yeah, definitely California a big a big wet burrito and like and a cold Dos Equis out of the tap. Oh. A Dos Equis amber out of the tap. Like you can't buy amber here. Oh fuck man. I just like wank over that shit. And same with Panda Express when I'm really stoned on fucking really good oh fuck man. It's so easy to get fat in that motherfucking place. But the best thing is um Dos Equis are the best. Whole Foods. Whole Foods. The deli section at Whole Foods, if you want to stay healthy when you're in America, the deli section at Whole Foods. See, I go to Whole Foods and then fucking end up eating like, you know, potato bacon shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't eat bacon, so. Yeah. But I definitely am a big fan. But And I think that um, some of that stuff could make such a massive impact here. Five Guys has come here now. There's one in Penrith. Bro. Taco no- Bell's back for the third time. Nothing will be in and out in and out is amazing. And in and out only open within the region that they can deliver within one day. That's why they're only in Nevada and California. Bro, I love in and out Like it, when I, whenever, I, whenever I go to Cali, like whenever I'm in California, I'll eat in and out every day regardless. Like, cause I'm like, I'm not getting a chance to get this for a while until I come here next. And I haven't been to America since 2017. Now that I think about it and yeah, man, double, double animal style with the Neo shake. It's got the three flavors in it. Off. Yeah, it's all secret on the menu. It's so <laughs> fucking cool. Yeah, and they did a pop up. They did a pop up in Sydney, uh, an in and out pop up, just as a, like publicity stunt. About probably about three or four years ago, and um, there was a line like around the fucking block. My friend went there at like there's no way I was doing eight that o'clock in the morning, Fuck. and there was already fucking sixty people deep, and he just missed out, and he was like so pissed off, yeah, because he's like they call him Hollywood because he's like a wannabe American kind of like <laughs> he's in the FMX industry. I'm not going to mention his name, but um, yeah, shout out to Seb, you know who you are, Bali Saud. Um, but yeah, like you know, that's how we kind of bonded was that kind of yeah in Cali, in Cali. But like a lot, you know, a lot of that stuff is starting to come here. Um, you know, Taco Bell's just just launched for the third time. It's interesting because my parents had a major con- contribution to helping that kind of Mexican stuff become iconic in this country. Um, I've grown up in America, like I've been to the states. What probably. was that Tex-Mex place that was in Monavale that's across? M- that's my parents' place. Oh, really? Yeah. Across from um, yeah, yeah, Monavale yeah. Hotel, eh? Uh-huh. That's my parents I've been there place. a couple of times too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah. That's my parents. They had one of those in Av, and they won it um, where the Coogee Pavilion is for about three years. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. El Torito Tex Mex is what it was called. Well, I've been to. I've been to. It. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Obviously, that's the best. That was the best. And they had one on the Gold Coast for the last 
probably three years and they just sold it in October. October they got rid of it. Um, now we're just doing cannabis stuff. But um, but fuck, like I really, I wish that they had. They just opened Five Guys, which is it's just fucking fantastic. Have you ever been to Five Guys? Yeah, I've been to Five Guys. Five Guys is pretty good too. And then some Marky, people, some people like Five Guys more. Actually, some people like Wendy's burgers better than. Nah, they're tripping. Wendy's burgers aren't bad. They're but not. They're bad. not in and out part. Carl's Carl's Junior is disgusting. Disgusting. I I I sh- I clogged my mate Chad's house. After eating a buffalo chicken sandwich at like three o'clock in the morning from the um, Studio City, uh, <laughs> Studio City um, Carl's Junior, I don't recommend eating their buffalo chicken sandwich at three o'clock in the morning when you're drunk, because it will make you shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really think that if they launched, if they launched um, in and out here, it would fucking destroy. Destroy, dude. Destroy. Maybe that's something do, we need. I'm know, surprised they do you know, haven't do done you know it. Buck Palmer. No, I don't know who that is. Um, I wonder how many people have contacted in and out America to try and do something here. No, Buck Buck was one of the owners of EP and LP in Hollywood. Yeah, Frankie Frankie's the restaurant that had EP and LP and the the rooftop bar. Not Frankie's in Sydney. Not no, the guy. Not no, Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, fuck, man. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I'm going back to California next month. Well, fuck you. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, and like I'm, we're going to open an office there. I'm launching my next CBD company called Byron Bay CBD in the states. And then we're doing a, we've started a um a CBD pet company called Inspired Paws. We're going to be doing hemp kitty litter here in Australia soon. I'm um, starting a um a hemp construction company. Um, we're going to do like is that was that Byron Bay Tech. Yeah, it's called Byron Bay Eco Technologies. That's it. That's yeah. potentially what the name is that we're arming and arming. I'm working with the CTO of a company called Titomic on that one. Um. But, and I love California, and I've, the last two years of my life have been probably the worst two years of my life, of my amazing life because I haven't been able to go to California because I miss, I just miss all my habitual habits. I miss Whole Foods. I miss In and Out, even though I don't go there that often. I miss Panda, even though I don't go there often. But I love fucking good Mexican food. I like I like I crave it. Like even like my dad makes my dad doesn't like cooking that much, but my dad can cook at almost an old town level. Not quite. He doesn't have that. There's certain there's certain things that you just can't buy here to yeah. be able to make it. And obviously, he's not Mexican. Like he cilantro? Can, like cilantro? Yeah, cilantro and <laughs> just certain, just certain. You know, my dad used to used to bring used to import toy haulers from the states for a long time. That's how that was kind of his continuation in the motocross industry after he sold Fusion. For all those people out there, toy haulers are like kind of caravans where the back falls down and you can put. Your recreational vehicle, your dirt bikes, your jet ski, then it folds up, and then you can, you know, move around, etc. Um, so he liked, and then he was importing Harleys and old Cadillacs and Mustangs and stuff, and that was his excuse to go to the states four times a year. He'd go over, we'd go eat his food, we'd go see my cousins that live in Bakersfield, and then we'd do that. We'd go to San Diego, we'd do all the, you know, blah blah blah. But like that was our pilgrimage for, you know, pretty much my whole life since I was five. So twice weird, a year, three times a year, we go so to America. Weird not to be able to go there. Fuck, it's been two and a half years, and I was staying with my. I was in. I went to Dubai for a month to stay with my billionaire friend, who ironically lives next door to Saddam Hussein's nephews. That was a pretty interesting interaction, and um, his parents own his family owns the biggest construction company in Turkey. They're worth about five billion. Lovely guy. Shout out to Seamus. I went there with my girlfriend. I started. I made a bunch of vlogs about it. I, I started getting on this this front that I was going to come back here 
and I was going to move to America for three months. We went to Ferrari World on the 7th of March 2020 in Abu Dhabi. I flew back on the 8th and the world shut down on the 10th. <laughs> and I got stuck here for the last, what, it's two years today, almost, two, and a, two years and one month. Yeah, man. So and it's close. it's been a long, fuck God. And then all I did, last year all I did was fucking do coke, fuck girls and party and just, I got, un, I was still fit, but I got unfit, put on weight. I was fucking lazy. I was surfing, you know, training a little bit. But fuck, I was so depressed because I can't, I just want that. I need that freedom. I need that, like, once you're so used to something living out of a suitcase, it's like, even now, like the last two months, in the last 10 days, I've been to Melbourne twice, Sydney twice. And now I'm going back to Sydney from the Gold Coast and then I go to Melbourne on the weekend and then I come back to Sydney and then I go back to the Gold Coast and back to Sydney. That's fucking So amazing. even the fact that, I can do that again now is like amazing for me. It's like, it's, I, I feel normal again. It's so good. But it's like, but even that, that California, I don't want to live in California permanently because it, there's too many people, but the opportunity there and the, there's a glass ceiling in Australia. We, we're in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. it's like, there's only so like, I went to the Arias. Cool. <laughs> I've been to the Arias like four fucking times. Oh, what? I'm going to go get a VIP ticket for fucking Splendor in the Grass for the fifth time. Like, you know, that's cool. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. My life is amazing. But, like, I want to go to Coachella and fucking smoke fucking doobies with fucking Paris Hilton and a bunch of Instagram chicks, you know? I want to go to Burning Man. I want to go to, you know, I want to go, to, I want to go do new shit that I've never done before. I want to go to Russia again. I want to go skiing in Iran. I want to go to. Speaking of, speaking of skiing, how's your knee? My left knee is fucked, and I am. As soon as I raise this next capital raise and I get a bunch of money, if anyone's listening, I will be using some of your funds to go to the place that Danny Way went to in Colombia to get stem cells inserted into my left knee so I can regrow my meniscus and go skiing again properly. Yeah. I still ski at a pretty high level, but like. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting my, a fifty foot cliff. My meniscus is fucked, dude. I got I got heel hooked four weeks ago in jujitsu, and it's fucked. Oh, still still so oh. fat now. I can barely got any range of motion in it. And it, like when I when my skis go out to there, it just fucking pulls, and I can't do anything about it. I can wear the knee brace. My ACLs was fucked. It's fine now. As long as I get on the, but I can't. I can sit on the bike for the next ten years and and do squats and and be able to you know. Do all that stuff, but my meniscus is always going to be fucked until I get the the stem cell injections. And yeah. at, um, didn't Jace tell you there was a guy in Ashmore on the golf yeah, course? Yeah, but they they don't use they use like they use your own they I, again I don't know that much about it, but they from what I've gather they use your own stem cells, so it doesn't work as well. You need the placenta, you need the stem cells from the placenta of a baby, and. And that is what regenerates it because it's all fresh. So they use Regenicine. Yeah, Regenicine. Yeah, yeah. The blood spinning thing. Yeah, they use the Regenicine. <laughs> yeah. And that stuff works so much better. But because of moral whatever, they don't do that in America or in Vegas. I think they might do it in Vegas. Tanner Hall just did it. He, he, he just won a bronze medal in real ski at 38 years old. Um, but he blew his, he ripped his, um, what's the, what's the, the kind of like the, Achilles. The Achilles cut his Achilles in half. Yeah. Ripped his in half. He his his girlfriend's a porn star and he she works at that Regena clinic in Vegas. So he got a deal on some like some cheaper stuff. It's like 
I think he got it for four grand instead of six grand a shot. Um, I think it's like a, I think normally it's like a four to about a four to five month recovery on the Achilles. He did it in three months. Wow. Because, and he said it sped up his recovery by about 30 or 40%. Wow. So I trust him. I don't know him super well, but I like, he's a pretty, he's broken every bone in his body. He's, you know, he's probably been more fucked up than pretty much anyone in the world other than maybe Danny Way. And um, Danny Way swears on the stuff from Columbia. He just got really fucked up and they sponsored him to go and get it all done. Do you remember that? Um, and and it, he said he re- in an interview, he basically said it rebuilt his whole... Do you remember that... Th- his whole knee. Thrasher um, middle f- fold-out that he got the jumping out of the helicopter into the vert ramp. Yeah, doing the bomb drop at, in Vegas at the at the Hard Rock. Oh, that's insane, eh? Hey? I, I still remember looking at that as a kid. And he's almost fifty, and he's still pushing it. Because and and he 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 attributes a lot of his longevity to this stem cell stuff. So I'm my dad has a lot of um he's you know been in car wrecks and he's he's got pins in his legs and he's been on life support and all sorts of stuff. And he, we were talking about it. We went for a walk at the beach at Monaval probably three or four days ago, and he's like, "Oh, my left knee's going." And I'm like, "We're going to Colombia um soon as I can." Um figure out how to get you out of the country because obviously they're anti-vax. They won't get that done. Whatever whatever amendment we have to do to be able to make that happen. Um, you know, it's on our to-do list to go to Colombia and get those. Just so I can – I just want to ski again. I want to be able to hit a big cliff and land and not have to fucking – I can still do it, but it fucking hurts. Yeah. And it feels like someone puts a sledgehammer through your fucking knee. Bro, even just like – And that doesn't – that's even, just, it's just stretching like even that like just putting my legs straight I can feel it pulling it and it's just it's like I just want I just want to be able to do a cork three off a fucking 80 foot jump and I can do that in my sleep I can not ski I was skied in two and a half years actually no I skied a couple of times last year but I just fucking slid rails but I can hit an 80 foot boot and do a cork three with my, with my eyes closed but if I land back seat fuck I'm going to feel that to the boy, like, and then it'll it'll get better. But every time I hit that jump, and then like that's not a fun feeling, and no. I don't associate that with the same buttery feeling like I had before, where I just like you when you set your edge and you take off and you go inverted, and then you land and it feels like you didn't even take off like that. That's like fucking a supermodel that feeling, <laughs> and you can't you can't you can't you can't replicate that, and I miss that feeling in my life. I really miss it and it's like something, it's like I really, I'm, you know, I'm almost willing to do anything to have that feeling again and I can still do it. The ability is still there but the, the Exe- that, that Execution, pain, not so good. Well, the executions are good. It just fucking hurts yeah. and I just want to get rid of that pain. That would be really fucking amazing and I think the stem cells from that place in, um, I can't remember what, what it's called. I'll, I'll find out. I thought out. it was in Panama. Now, there's one in Panama and then there's another one in Colombia, in Bogota, I think. Because yeah, that guy that Rogan had on with yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah, Mel Gibson's yeah. father went there and he. Yeah. When he. Got when he. Got red hot dick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rock hard dick. Ah, what Not, a legend. 92 years old. What a savage. That shit's good for you. And and I and I reckon probably um, taking. I, I want to get my dad on the testosterone too. I want to start doing it, the, the test boosters. TRT. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably what, what SWATs. Um, what, um, Sylvester Stallone's been on for years. I think if you do it properly with what, and you everything, and you make sure that you um 
you make sure that you do your cancer count and you do all the blood work and stuff like that is probably very beneficial too. Yeah. Especially in your older years. Again, I'm only just coming over that hump of 35. So it's only just going to start affecting me now. But I want to pre-prepare for it so I can do cork threes when I'm 50. Yeah. That well, would be awesome. I'm getting there now, dude. I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I'm definitely not what I used the goal, to be. Because the goal is I'm going to open a surf. I'm going to make a bunch of money. I'm going to open a surf resort in Mexico. I've already had a conversation. I'm going to Mexico in the end of next month to go have a look at some plots of land. And then I want to open a heli ski op in Russia, pending that we, we don't have World War Three. But I went to Russia about probably about four years ago, five years ago for about a month. And Sochi is heaven on earth. It's the best ski resort in the world. It snows 50 feet a year and it's surrounded by gorgeous six-foot blonde women. There's no weed there though. I smoked one joint there when I was there and that was it. <laughs> it's all right. That's what we got the post for. Fucking I don't have a weed guy that just takes the rap for everything. Couldn't you just get like a fucking like a CBD like vape or something? You probably get all sorts of shit, you know, but it's just like. It's Fuck around. You, this is Russia. It's around. People are smoking weed. I smoked weed when I was there a couple of times. But um I don't know. I don't really want to go to a gulag. It doesn't really sound fun. <laughs> but you know, it's good probably good to 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 rehab and not smoke for 3 months. Yeah. Cuz I don't smoke now that often. I'll smoke probably once every 2 weeks. And like I ate a, I like edibles. Yeah, not last night the night before I ate an edible and Ate two kilos of grapes to my dome and watched a movie. That was pretty awesome. So in small doses, it's a really good thing. But if you do it all the time, you wake up and you smoke. A lot of my friends wake up and smoke breakfast billies and they smoke bong. And That's called in, having a problem. Yeah, it is. And even if it is, even if you do have a medical certificate for it, maybe in certain cases it's good for you. But in my I – think, I think it needs to be micromanaged like alcohol. Yeah. Personally. 100%. But that's just my opinion. Other people might disagree with that. Now, big fellow, we've been going for almost three hours. We missed anything? No, there's probably other things, but there's always, <laughs> there's, always other, there's a million billion things that we're doing. But it's it's always interesting to have a a good conversation about a, a vast uh, array of different subjects. You know, I'm curious to see where we're going to go in the next um, the next five years. Hopefully, the world starts opening up. Um, watch the um, what this in uh, what's the date today? The date is the uh, the sixth. Is it? Sixth of the seventh, the eighth. Holy shit, time's counting down. Uh, 4-20-2022. We'll be doing another big stunt. Who are we hurting? We're uh, going for the full legalization of cannabis in Australia. Because um, the last one, the last one, what did you get? 420 grand or something, wasn't it? Yeah, last year we got 420 grand in cash and had a mock up press conference on the steps of Parliament House <laughs> to basically showcase the, um, the daily excise that the taxpayer could be collecting from the taxation of legalized recreational cannabis. Wow. Um, we're working with the Greens to change the drug driving laws in Australia, or in New South Wales. Um, to be able to and New South and and uh, Victoria and South Australia. Because does that not apply if you've got a permit? Like if you've got a no, permit no, no. to weed at the moment. To, at the moment, my colleague got um got done. He got a um he got done. He he blew like they swab tested him out the front of his house. Um, he got uh he got obviously because of notoriety in cannabis. He got he got done with the swab test under the influence. He went to court. He had a security company with about 10 to 15 people on his roster. His lawyer, being uninformed, I don't think he did it on purpose, basically said to him, if you plead guilty, you'll be able to get a work license. 
He pled guilty for the work license. Lost his security license. Then he lost his security license, had to close down his company. Now there's 10 to 15 people that now don't have a job. Mm. And and he's got a medical card. You know what I mean? <laughs> so now, so we've been working with um, with um, Xavier Delafon and um, the Sydney criminal law firm that just got um, that just got the friendly Geordies off for their stalking charges of John Barillaro. <laughs> um, they're interesting cats. Um, Sydney criminal lawyers. If you're getting into any shams, uh, check them out. They're bunch of legends they've been helping us out with a bunch of projects so you know ideally step by step um you know that get, getting that declassified so you can actually potentially consume cannabis while you have your medical card because it says um in the in the in the law that you have to be um under the influence where you can't operate the vehicle um you know basically proper properly right so but there's no there's no measurement it's just a swab test. So you could have smoked bongs three weeks ago and it, you could test positive and yeah. and lose your license. Yeah. And it's immediately, you lose your license. In New South Wales, you lose your license immediately for three months. Yeah. Um, I got pulled over. I'd been smoking bongs literally 20 minutes ago. I'd smoked five to ten bongs to my dome. Um, they did the, breathal- the breathalyzer test. She went back to the car to go get the swab test. I had some ketchup from McDonald's in the... Uh, in the side pocket, I put two of them in my mouth, so I switched it around. I the swab came up negative, so whatever. I don't keep your ketchup, keep your ketchup, <laughs> keep your wasabi. Yeah. Um. But basically, Fisherman's you know, friends. we just want we just want the right to be able to consume something that comes from nature. And they've just um, they've just put through a mandate or through a, a bill in the House of Representatives in America to um, federally decriminalize cannabis. And then also make it Florida. Well, no, Florida's like the only one that no, doesn't. There's, there's a whole bunch. There's like this. It's like 43 that are medical, and I think about 13 or 14 that are recreational. But the problem is that with the weed dispensary that I co-own with my partner, we can't bank any of the ca- cannabis money, so it's all in cash. So when my friend went to my colleague went to the um, Californian Cannabis Control Board in Sacramento to go pay for our cannabis license, our re- our recreational dispensary license, which was about sixty or seventy thousand US dollars. He had to go pay in cash because it's not federally ratified, and the state-run commission can't accept credit card payments or bank transfers. You have to go in in cash and pay in cash. That place still blows my mind. So, bro. so we've had eight bank accounts frozen because, and like basically because of cannabis money all of the money is we can't take credit cards all of the cannabis money is kept in a safe on site which makes a lot of like makes the potential for for you know to be robbed, robbed very yeah. high um you know it's all it's all a crock of shit but so if they federally ratified in america that'll open the door for federal legalization here um previously last year they had the plebiscite to legalize cannabis in new zealand but they put the plebiscite they, – they had two plebiscites at the same time. They had one for euthanasia, which is assisted suicide, and then they had legalized cannabis. Now, those two things shouldn't be on the ballot together. They kind of t- they kind of take away from each other. Um, I think it was a 43-47 split, something like that, in the favor of non not legalizing and keeping it the way it is. They said that had it have not been in a COVID year – 
Um, you know, people are a little bit scared. They don't know what's going on. They don't want any change. They would have legalized it. Um, that was a bit of a, a kick in the teeth for the cannabis community because there's a lot of quite high profile people in New Zealand politics that have been campaigning for that for a long time. And per capita, the the New Zealand um, the country of New Zealand has more smokers per capita than any other country in the world. Wow. And they also have the harshest drug laws in the Western society. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot of oppression going on. Um, and same with the non-evidence RBT swabs, you know. So part of our messaging with who are, who are we hurting is to try and end the evidence-free RBTs. And um, ideally, that's a stepping stone to full recreational legalization. Because you can want something that um, – listeners out there should be very aware of is that in most states in Australia, you can now go get your medical certificate for pretty much anything and then legally purchase and consume cannabis. So this is a very, this is a lot of people think that you have to be terminally ill to be able to get a medical card, but you actually don't. So it's a lot easier than you need to. I will, I'll, I'll get um, homie to put the link down under for, um, to find your local uh, cannabis, uh, cannabis doctor to recommend you a, where you can get a, a potential script to be able to consume medical cannabis in Australia. Um, but if I get prescribed for, say, you know, um, whatever ailment that it is, I get, you know, um, anxiety, they'll prescribe me a certain type of weed, like a certain strain, and then I'll have a nighttime and a daytime, and that's the only strain that I can purchase. So that you know, it's better than nothing, but it's not. It's not perfect. It's, be- it's better than going to the going to see Jethro in the ghetto. Yeah, Jethro in the ghetto with his with his PGR <laughs> bullshit that was that was fucking dry. That wasn't that wasn't flushed and is full of chemicals and then dried in a giant a giant dryer in the back of some you know bikey place and or the Viet Cong out in Camden. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and that's what's happening. But there is good weed that's coming into Australia now. There are. You know, advocates in Nimbin, there are advocates in South Australia. There's obviously the, the decriminalisation um, in Canberra is really a good kind of act that I think there's, a, you know, four plants that four, um, you know, I think it's like uh, I think it's like four or four to six juvenile plants and then four mature plants and then a certain amount of dried flour that you're allowed to cons- to have on your persons per household. And that's great. That's a first step. And just decriminalization would be a great step in the into the in the right direction because, you know, this kind of stuff you shouldn't go to jail for it. And there are certain laws. There, there is a lot less. I got done with two ounces um, last year in um, Queensland, and I got a a drug. Um, what was the word? You just basically had to do a two hour phone phone call. I oh, know an hour phone call. I think it was. Maybe it was only forty minutes. It felt like three hours. I was like a drug deferral or something like that, so that you don't have a court matter, and that's kind of like that's a good step. That's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah, and the cop was cool. Well, you get a drug charge, you can't go to America or Canada. <clears throat> yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's definitely even DUI. I think yeah. Canada. I think if you declare your DUI and go into America, they'll knock you back, but just don't tell anybody. Yeah, um, fuck Trudeau and fuck Canada. But basically, um, you know, like I, I'm, we're we're full for that. You know, we're full of advocates for. The uh, full legalization of recreational cannabis in Australia. Fucking earth. Um, we just want to trade. Where can we, just where like can alcohol. We, where can we find you guys at? 
Um, you can uh, who are we hurting is the hashtag um, the Craze Co, uh, Balling on a Budget Media, Byron Bay CBD, Willie's World TV. <laughs> um, check us out on YouTube, crazeco.com.au. Um, there's a whole bunch of places, but basically look for us on um, on on the news and look to the iconic buildings on the in the Sydney Harbour region, and you might be seeing the bat signal somewhere around that little area that might be uh, showcasing a little bit of um, cannabis advocacy to promote the legalisation of cannabis in the in Australia. Well, mate, I uh, absolutely love conversing with you. I wouldn't mind doing it some more. Uh, just uh, give me a time and a place and we'll, uh, we'll shoot the shit. Fucking oath. Well, I'm about to piss my pants. But um, uh, Willie Biggs... Uh, absolute pleasure to have you here, mate, and uh, really enjoyed shooting the shit with you. Yeah, thank you for your time. I love what you're doing, and um, yeah, keep preaching the the good word, and you know, fuck COVID, fuck oppression, and uh, free the weed. <laughs> Let's go. listening legends make sure you like and subscribe on all your podcasting platforms and head over to instagram and check us out at to the point underscore podcast to the point